Welcome to Cowhorse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This episode brought to you by Sour Boys Candies. Let's get yeah, they on. did. They did just didn't. <laughs> everyone was raising horses. Yeah, and you know what? There, but there also wasn't a uh, huge record on all the mares and stuff to sell buy a yearling off of. No, when well, I they didn't started. keep track of it. No. <laughs> so why would you buy a yearling? They all looked exactly alike. Yeah. I mean, I've won three hundred thousand. Nobody knows about. I mean, as far as. On the mares papers was the same way. No, I mean in earnings, winnings. I mean they didn't keep it, keep track of that stuff. Yeah, right, right. You know, even even down to NRHA, before whatever they kept track of the fraternity, the derby, and maybe one when other. When they had event. the stakes, they used to yeah, have the stakes. Yeah, yeah. You know, but any you could win the Southwest fraternity as many times as you wanted, win the open at the Congress or whatever else. None of that money. Didn't even count. Yeah. But they weren't, they also weren't, didn't have all the levels and all the everything. Yeah. Which is good. But, but yeah, but that, I think that was part of our deal, though, as horse trainers, you know, I mean, we always had to make a little bit from a lot of places, <laughs> you know, because honestly, and I mean, if we're going to get just, <laughs> let's just get right square in the head. <laughs> We've never been able to charge enough in the Western performance industry for training. No. I mean, and when you compare it to, say, jumping or dressage or whatever else, you know. So what happens is, is at that point, at that time, then what, what did you do? We would, you know, we'd have a stud and we'd breed. If we could breed 10 mares, and like you said, five of them might be customers, mm-hmm. you know, and you made, a little, you made a little board money on the mares, you know, and then hopefully you were getting those colts back in training and you were kind of creating your own market or I yeah. don't know, you know, yeah. I mean, or you had a market and yeah. you were filling it, Yeah, you know, you didn't go to, you know, all over to buy sale horses. They yeah. were right there, you know, and there was no, and I don't know. Well, the beauty too, Robert, they didn't have ship semen. Well, yeah. So your stud was worth something in your barn because the horses were there already. This brought them over. And well, and very few people and, were AIN. Yeah, I mean, if you if you bred forty mares a year, you would you was a big dog, mm-hmm. you know, and you could raise a few of them on your own, and raise those things up and sell them, and away you went, you know, and and you'd sell one and you'd train one and you'd breed a mare and you'd board something and you'd do this and you'd do that, and at the end of the month, you know, you hoped you could turn on the lights, <laughs> traded a lot of dollars to keep the lights on, yeah, yeah. Kind of a uh, administrative fee. You got to keep a little administrative fee to keep the lights yeah. on after all the dollar trade. And my mom and I were just talking about that on my way here today, because I mean they, they're in the Apple's business and they don't charge very much. No, it's like you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had, like, if the associations put out like just a little guideline, not a mandate, but just a guideline, like, hey, if you're with a trainer that's got either X amount of years experience or is in a, on the top 20 list or whatever, you need to expect to pay X amount of training. Right. You know, and like leave Like a blue that, book for trainers. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, this, guy, book, yeah. this guy's going to be worth like 
<laughs> you know, he's going to be worth 17 to 2500 somewhere in there a month. <laughs> right? And then you kind of come down. And, and this like, guy's worth the difference between 17 and 2500 <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's it. And so, uh, yeah, but I think it'd be cool just for, I mean, like I say, young trainers that don't know what to charge and mm-hmm. old trainers that think they're getting, that they, they're afraid to go up. Right. Because it's like, nobody's going to spend $1,000 on training. Like, everybody is spending $1,000 on training right now. Nowadays. At least. Crazy. Yeah. What, what, did, what, what did you charge your first training horse? What was your fee? $400. Yeah, mine was 450 And I'm not sure I wasn't making more money then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I know. I, I know when I took that big jump and hit it right in that big hole and went to 500, I was. <laughs> but you think about it at 500 a month, and this is uh, so what would that be? Middle 80s when I would have charged 500 a month. And I charged 35 cents a mile to haul one around. And I'll guarantee you, I was making more money at 500 a month and 35 cents a mile than I am now. Well, inflation kept up with everybody except us. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you think of in the middle 80s, middle 80s, you can, what, what kind of a pickup could you buy for 20000 Like as good a one that, that two Western of hauler, two everything. Of you can buy two of them. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I mean, you don't get a moped. I wasn't for even graduated yet, Robert. I'm not that old. <laughs> He's older than he looks. He's not I as old as he looks. Yeah. He's the opposite of you. You well, don't look as old as you are, and he looks a lot older than he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, but sometimes, you know, it ain't the airs, it's the mileage. <laughs> There's plenty of mileage around this table, I'd yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at the hair, though. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know? I don't get it. It's nice when I feel it. It's soft. Yeah. My wife just commented how soft it was, too. <laughs> It's not uh, his. I think it's a wig. I think I'll take her word for it. <laughs> <It's> a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a toupee. Yeah, I mean it's messed up enough. That can't be right. I mean, you wouldn't if you were going to buy a toupee. Would you buy one like that? I no. Mean, <laughs> It's like, you know, I mean, if I had, it would be perfect. You know, that, that Donald Trump, Trump. Yeah. thing, you know? Hey, my, that's my kid's hairdo. That's what we call it. It's the, like, it's like the Trump hurricane. Like when you look at <laughs> that calm over thing. Yeah. Oh, God. You want to you hear the funniest comb-over story I got? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we, there ain't no telling where this is going to go, huh? So I'm driving down the road with my dad one time. And he had just got a new truck, and it had power windows, okay? Well, and he did this thing where he looped this all over the top, you know? He had it. I mean, it looked like freaking Hollywood done it Maine on one side and like a halter horse pull on the other you know and i mean he would flop it over the top well so he's going down going down a road going down i don't know if it's 395 or turned to i-15 right there in california doesn't matter anyway he's going down the road and he goes over there and he, he drops something so he leans over to pick it up on the car as we're going down and in the truck as we're going down the road well he hits that power window so it goes down a little ways well so the come over as he's leaning over here comes off and starts to blow. <laughs> well, as he's looking for this, he also hits the button to roll the window back up. <laughs> with, the, with the main, 
that has now flipped over the other side out the window and now it has gone up and he has locked it in the window. He found what he was looking for and he straightened up. <laughs> for a minute. Rip. Oh. There was still, I mean, you know, you had enough hair in that window that you could have DNA'd him with AQHA. I mean, <laughs> it was locked in there. And I mean, oh, he was mad. But yeah, that's, there's my comb over story. <laughs> that's a little too long. That's a little too long. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, I guess we should comb it over and swirl it. Yeah, you got to tuck it in. <laughs> Russell's been trying that from his eyebrows, but it looks funny. So. Oh, that, I could grow those all the way over, no <laughs> doubt. What is it about, though, when you get older? See, I think what happens no is idea. your hair gets confused. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, it used to grow out of your head, everything else. It quits growing there. But it sure does. Your eyebrows, your nose, your, your ears. ears. I mean, geez, crazy. Huh? It's like old folks that live up north. They just migrate <laughs> south when they get older. Yeah. And it's not little. All the heavy hairs. Really come on. <laughs> they get thicker and stronger. Oh, and then your eyebrows get locked in your eyelashes if you don't stay after it. You can't blink. It's terrible. <laughs> like Mel Gibson in Conspiracy Theory, just taped open. You know, you know, I wondered how this happened listening to some of your podcasts and stuff. <laughs> how you guys... But wow. it just falls in here pretty natural. It's, it's, yeah. it, it, this has been educational already. It's I mean, we, we are there. <laughs> hey, maybe you should introduce him. Well, I was, <laughs> was going to say, this guy was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, we'll take this opportunity to introduce our uh, special guest this week, Robert Chow. We're here at Cow Horse Full Contact. I'm Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday, and we got Ben Self behind the board and I am knocking a microphone off this table and so we sit here with Robert today in the lovely La Quinta Inn in Gainesville Texas there we go oh yeah there we go meeting room yeah meeting room make sure we get that yeah we're in, enjoying a few sour boys <laughs> I know it's his face is leveling out yeah roped candy you older it. guys don't like it as well as us younger guys hey my wife they make loves you pucker them. up my wife loves them <laughs> <laughs> That'll snap you back awake when you're on them long drives, I'm telling you. I kind of like them. Ben really likes them. My kids love them. You two. Yeah. Your taste well, like buds I said, are, Cheryl likes that kind shot. of stuff. Obviously, sour boys. <laughs> hey, now, wait a minute. I, not in I, this I, thought, I, I thought I'd been on good behavior. <laughs> Well, you can tell the artwork. It looks like a cross between Ed Hardy and Salvador Dali for some of y'all <laughs> more right. cultured listeners. Yeah. I, do you know who that is, Ben? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that public school Google system at work. That public school system at work right there. <laughs> yeah, Where'd you go to school? Denton County? <laughs> St. Joe. St. Joe. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Uh, well, we better start at the beginning. We have, we've been starting at the beginning. We done talked about Clarence's hair in the window. <laughs> I, I know, but <laughs> we, we, we talked about, you know, raising colts and selling them for little money and being able to make a living. And But we got other stuff to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, where were you born? Where was I born? I was born in Fallbrook, California. When? 
1966, as I recall. 66. Yes, I don't recall the weather that day. But <laughs> I was in a dark place. It was dark. It was dark. <laughs> uh, now we uh, lived in a town called Bonsall, which is northern San Diego County. It's about 15 miles east of Oceanside. Uh, Terrible weather, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't move to Texas for the weather. <laughs> I mean, Jay West. Where I grew up, an average summer day was probably about 90, and it would be cooling off at about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it would cool to about, it would start at about in the middle 50s. An average winter day would probably be in the high 60s. I saw it, it would freeze about twice a year, and those guys that grow the oranges and the avocados would freak out because you know i mean when that temperature plummeted to 30. <laughs> snowmageddon yeah you know it's all over never saw snow till i was like went to a place that had snow or driving actually i think the first place i ever saw snow was driving through flagstaff arizona you'll have but that. never saw hail once and i lived there for 21 years and I mean, you know, but never saw it snow there. Never saw it, hail, like I said, saw it hail once. Probably never saw thunder and lightning. Not much. No. Not real thunder and lightning. That's no. what struck me when I lived out there. I mean, I was used to thunder and lightning every day. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I mean, heck, we'd get, I don't know what it is, but 10 inches of rain a year, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not that much. But I mean, yeah. And it was, and see, we were on the, you know, where we were now if you went okay like temecula was probably 20 minutes away but much much hotter because you go yeah, that hill right, right and down the hole you know and we lived on the west side of uh 15 there and so every day you know in the afternoon in the summertime breeze would come up through there off that ocean and mm. cool everything down and the thing is and that's the thing about back here you know i mean now now we're like doing the weather channel or whatever you know but i didn't realize it's not in a lot of places it's not how hot always it gets it's the high of the low mm -hmm. yeah and you know i mean and where you out there where i mean where i was it'd be high 50s at night but it would be cooling off by four or five o'clock in the afternoon a little bit you know some and by in the evening it was it was cooled off you know we're here, you know, by when it's 98 at midnight. And <laughs> Still 98% humidity. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it does cool off, all the air stops. When the air stops. And then at 2 in the morning when you get out there to write them when it's cool and you're right in the middle of that cheese omelet. <laughs> I mean, geez. No, anyway. So that's where uh, raised in Bonsall, born in Fallbrook. My uh, parents had a place out there called Rawhide Ranch. And they had this when you were born? Yes, they started it in 64. My dad actually had a place, uh, they, before that they had a place in Escondido um, called Easy Stock Farm. And what they did, and he, he kind of carried that to Rawhide, but then built on it. But what it was, is it was like, um, Walmart for horses. I mean, as far as he had all different kind of horses, talked about standing studs, stood 20 studs, um, all kinds of different, I mean, quarter horses, Appaloosas, 
paints, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, and actually had the, my understanding is, had the largest operation of its type in the Western United States. I mean, he was going to Fort Smith and all kinds of other big sales and stuff like that, and he'd buy truckloads full of horses and bring them. And um, then he would sell horses and, you know, and then that led into a tax store, which led into a trailer lot, which led into a, that's why I said it's Walmart for whatever, you know. And by the time I was a little kid, you know, you'd go there and, uh, you know, I didn't show horses. I showed horses back up there. I showed horses when I was really little. I mean, like when I was three, four, you know, like in that pleasure and the X stuff out there and stuff like that. But then by the time I was four, all I wanted to do was rodeo. That pleasure stuff was for, you know. Too slow. Too slow. Too slow, you know. So, but we showed horses our way every weekend. I mean, like, they would be eight, ten deep in customers. And I had a bareback pad. Everything went in one of three bridles. It's very simple. You had a mechanical hackamore, you know, just with the shanks and everything. Mm -hmm. Not a real hackamore, but, you know or a Tom Thumb, or a, like a little just low ported, a little Monty Foreman bit, but it was just a little low ported bridle. And we didn't have time to grab anything else. <laughs> because we might show every one of them, and I mean, I would be running between horses. And you're talking about showing them to people to showing sell. Showing the people to sell. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did. Right. You know, and I mean, you'd come out there and I'd, plop along there on my God, we didn't have time to saddle them so most of them we just rode them bareback I had bareback pad <laughs> threw a bareback pad they'd throw me up there and occasionally we found one that didn't ride bareback and that was always fun <laughs> so anyway he'd throw me up there and we'd do that and we would do that I mean and it didn't matter whether it was Easter or we got usually got to take Christmas off <laughs> I mean, but, but it was, it was rocking now. And I mean, he had a hundred and when I was a kid, he had 150 to 175 there all the time. Gee, wow. Monique. Nah, it's a big operation. And then, you know, and then he had, um, a, uh, so I, I kind of grew up in that environment. And when I was really little too, we'd go to a couple horse sales a week and I would, um, like, I mean, I'm talking kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I'd ride them things through them horse sales. Because if there was another 20 bucks to be made, by God, we was going to get it. I mean, we don't know it's no education getting away of that. <laughs> so he would, you know, we would go, like I'd leave with him, and we'd go to them horse sales, and I'd go ride them things to them sales, and then I'd have to be done with the horse sale. And, you know, in theory, we took the homework with me if we had it, but we didn't really ever get to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I'd have my, he'd have my pajamas or whatever else, you know, and I'd put all that on after the horse sale, get in the back seat of the truck, go to sleep, get home two in the morning, whenever it was, you crashed and burned there, bub. <laughs> I, you sat down on the wrong side there. of the microphone. <laughs> no, it slipped up on me. So then he'd, he'd, you know, and they'd get me out of the, my mom or he, my dad would carry me into the house, out of the back seat of the truck. My mom would wake me up but. Whenever it was, 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever, off I'd go to school. Mm. About two days later, repeat process. Do it again. So, but what that, I'll tell you what that does is, even though we're not showing horses, 
you're showing horses. Oh, yeah. Because you are learning how to present something. What you got. What you got. <laughs> and no more. And if it don't turn around to the left, don't. You go to the right a lot, you know, or whatever. You figure out what it can do or just get around them, yeah. you know. And I don't know that, and I think that later on, you know, that kind of experience and riding that many or whatever, I mean, it, it helps you a lot going to show. Because you also, you know, I think too, you know, one tightens up or you kind of can get them through there or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, we were showing and then. Um, and your warm up period was short. Well, yeah, but I mean. <laughs> no warming Russell, up and getting prepared. It's like, hey, get on that one before these guys get in the car. <laughs> no, we'd go some of them places. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, and then we'd got to go where we'd go to big sales or whatever. And I mean, by the time I was 12, you know, I was flying from San Diego to Lubbock or Amarillo and then catching some kind of a ride to Clovis, New Mexico, because he'd have 20 head in a horse sale there. And I'd have to go ride them through. Mm. And then some of them, you know, and in some of them places we'd go, I mean, they're set up to be cow sales. Yeah. Okay. So you get one that all of a sudden freaks out and it's a concrete wall on one side, a cinder block wall on the other, pavement underneath you, and he's running backwards about to flip, you know? It's, it got a little testy at times. Good time it, it, to spin. It would get Western. <laughs> yeah. Spin, baby, no, spin. Well, no, that's just getting him there. No, we haven't, he ain't even heard the auctioneer yet, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, it, it will get you, you know, them, you know them sale barns where they got the little alley there and then the big alley? You know, where, before you go in there? Yep. You know, they got the little gate and big gate? I'll tell you, more than, more than one occasion, I bailed over the fence into, from one alley to the other, just trying to get in there. Oh, but anyway, it was, it was, it was good. Now, anyway, so we did that. And then, see, you what all know. What about the hay bill? Oh, heck. No, they come in there. 75 They come in there semi. Yeah, and there ain't no grass. I mean, there's no grass. We're talking, what were we talking, eight, ten inches of rain a yeah. year? Yeah. I mean, there's some weeds we called grass come up free in about April. For about a week. A week, yeah. <laughs> you know. But anyway, so they'd come up there and, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, but Imperial Valley, I mean, he had them, them hay trucks was, hold on, that, I mean, they, them, them hay trucks was rolling in there from the Imperial Valley, and I mean, they'd be stacking hay all over the place, you know. Yeah, back before they had squeezes. Yeah, you know. How but, did you keep them in just lots? Uh, well... There was several different options. He probably had 50 to 60 stalls. Mm. Then we had like a bunch of those, um, you know, like them 24 by 24 pipe corral panels. Yeah. They're big. I mean, yeah. uh, they, well, they were big out there. They, I don't know. I assumed they were big. They were sure big at our house. He had jillions of those. And then there was, you know, there was a yearling stud. We called it a pasture, but we wouldn't call it a pasture back here. I mean, it's not that big, you know. Uh, and there was a yearling stud one. There was a yearling filly one. And then there was like one or two broodmare ones. But that also kind of, he also then had a camp for kids. <laughs> And within this operation, now get your mind around this one. Get, get your mind around this one. We gave 31,000 riding lessons a year. 
Oh. No, yeah. seriously. And I, that's not a number I'm just pulling out of the air. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking, like during the summertime, 200 kids a day, five oh, to six days a week. That's an average of 10 a day, Chris, at least. You know? And I mean, it was... He had, but then them broodmares and stuff, you know, I mean, that you're talking to pasture, that's what he rode. And then he'd braid him, raise his colt out of them. So he was getting paid for his broodmares to carry a colt because them kids was riding them. Then he'd sell the colt. And I mean, there was more than one occasion. Hey, you need to check your math because I, I use my calculator. That's 84, 85 lessons a day. Oh, 365 days a year. That's yeah. what that average is out at. Yeah, no, it wasn't not 10. It wasn't that much in Ouch. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that much like the summer was the peak. And then you'd have a week of camp at Christmas, you'd have week camp at Easter, and then you'd have weekend camps. And they weren't near as big. But what there was is they'd run in groups. It'd be 30 a group an hour. And but what that does is and from the time I was probably Oh, I don't know. Before I was three, two, whatever, my babysitter was a pony <laughs> that he tied to his belt as he was given lessons. And he'd walk around, and that pony would just follow him around for hours. And then I'd get to squawking and screaming and doing whatever else, you know, and he'd jerk me off the pony and tell me to go find my mother. <laughs> and so I mean, you know, a little, it, it is different then, you know. So then, you know, so then I'd have to go find her, and then I don't know whether she'd, you know, feed me or give me a nap or what she'd do. I don't know. And then the afternoon, go out there and do it again. So by the time I was three, I was probably riding five hours, five six hours a day. I mean, on that dang pony, you know. But what that does too, though, is is again looking at things, how is he giving. Like, What's he just teaching them to get on and go? Or? It is basically, and again, um, it's, most of it was walk and jog. Okay, this is kids, different time, different era, don't know that it would work today. <clears throat> okay, most of these kids are coming from San Diego, they're coming from Orange County, they're coming from LA, they're coming from whatever. Now, I'm not, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, you know, troubled kids or anything like that. That's, that wasn't that kind of deal, you know. Um, but at that point in time, everybody wanted that Western lifestyle. They all wanted to learn how to ride horses. This wasn't a charity camp. No, no. <laughs> it was a for-profit situation. No, no 501C on this. No, no, my dad had one of them numbers. <laughs> and if you wanted to donate more, it'd be all right. <laughs> no, it was, a, it, was, it was a business. It was a for-profit deal. But then again, you know, you talk about building in customers and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you know, he'd sell them a horse. And, but that was also a time where, in all of those places, they had riding, they had stables that you could go keep Somewhere a horse. else, yeah. And they this and that. So it was a different deal where people would get a horse and have it at home or whatever. And that's what I'm talking about when I talked about the Walmart deal earlier. Walmart's probably a bad analysis. But, it, but you would go there if you were, say, going to buy a horse. You can buy a horse. He'd sell you a horse, whether it was for uh, maybe a show horse. We didn't sell as many, many of them as we just did riding horses. You know, he you'd go buy him a horse. And he said, "Well, you know, okay. Now that we've sold you that, probably need uh, a you're going to need a saddle. So he'd take you to the western store, 
and he'd sell you a saddle. And we had brand new saddles starting at $99. You want to spend a little more? We got a different line for $199, and we got another one for $299. I mean, I'm talking, you know, $500. That was a big deal. And like them ones with all that silver and them, we didn't deal with them. We don't, we don't do that expensive stuff, you know. We didn't have any. Margins were good we, enough. We, yeah, we couldn't make enough money on them. So anyway, but yeah, he'd sell you that. And then he'd sell you the bridle and the headstall and the reins. And then, this is, this is, and then he'd take you over there and he'd sell you the grooming bucket and he'd sell you a brush and a this and a that and another Perfect. thing, a shedding blade and a whatever else you need. And being he liked you so much, he'd throw in that hoof pick. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd say something like, well, uh, now how are you going to get your horse home? You know, you're going to, you're going to, we can. Riding well, motor. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I mean, I can arrange delivery for you. I mean, I'll, we'll go ahead and deliver him. For a but, small fee. But, duh. But, you know, if you're really going to go on them rides with your friends and you're going to go, like, to those little horse shows you're talking about doing for your kids and everything, you're going to need a trailer. <laughs> so off we go to the trailer lot. Oh, Lord. And he'd say, yeah, two by, uh, a two-horse side-by-side trailer. And so... By the time, and this sounds like this was not a rare occurrence, <laughs> that somebody would come there and they would leave with their car with a trailer, <laughs> all this stuff to put on, saddle pad. I mean, they had nothing. Everything they would need. Came for a riding lesson. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You Left know, the and, arena. and he wasn't going to throw it in. He would give you directions on where you could buy a bale of hay on the way home. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, that's that's and that's kind of how that was. Then he uh, with the camp deal and everything else. He also then and I don't know how old I was then, but then he started a college. And I think he started the college originally. And it was a really good program. It was a two-year vocational school. I mean, there was a lot of people that, that came out of that school that went to work for trainers or went to camps or whatever. Anyway, I mean, they had no trouble finding a job when they come out of there. But I think he originally started it because he needed help. So he uh, started that deal. And it's amazing how part of the curriculum was, you know, Feeding and <laughs> cleaning stalls, cleaning stalls, and breaking, breaking two-year-olds and sanitation, riding them other ones, and oh, and working in the camp, you know, I mean, yeah. all that stuff. No, I mean, he he was brilliant in that way. I mean, he had a brilliant business model. I mean, but anyway, I mean, I realize we're we we're, we're getting, try to get people to work and try to pay them, and they'll be unhappy with it. Yeah, or. Charge we them. could charge them. Yeah. And they'll be dying to get in. Yeah. <laughs> most of his most of his employees were paying him to be there. Oh man. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then uh, I mean it was it, it, it was quite a deal. I mean it was it was a humongous operation. So and that's, and that's what I grew up. Pardon? Of the logistics. Of gathering, selling, keeping track of 175 head of horses with the lessons, keeping your trailer lot, your tax store, your all your brushes and saddles stocked, <laughs> everything fed, and this the labor, just the labor. Yeah, but the, the more he hired, the more he made. 
I mean, exactly. you know, I mean, it says not not exactly, but but it wasn't quite like that. And he did pay, you know, he did pay a little, but he had a built-in labor force there. You know, I would need four walls worth of white wall, whiteboard just to keep track of just the horses. Plus, you're buying, going and buying and selling and yeah. And then later on, he got to be raising that many. I mean, when I wow. said he wouldn't go buy, by the time I was seven or eight, we were selling horses at sales, but we weren't really buying any anymore because he was raising 50 a year. Yeah, had so many. I mean, you know, and, and so there was always, you know. Yeah, I just listened a to uh, Andrea's podcast he did with uh, Charlie Cole, mm-hmm. and he was talking about going through that school. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else were some notable guys that come through there? What, Matt Mills? Oh, really? Yeah, and, and I mean, there's several other guys. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, and, and do a lot of different things. And, I, and I'll tell you what that thing did, too, is it fed a lot of horse trainers over the course of years because he really never had a desire my dad being he he didn't really want to have a horse show operation there the only reason i ever ended up showing horses is because he found i could make some money doing it you know as far as sending me out there and that's what i wanted to do later you know which i'm sure we'll get to that but by the time i'm like 15 or 16 you know but now i have because we haven't even discussed a very important part of that though and that's my brothers see troy tom leonard okay well leonard's the closest to me in age and he's almost 12 years older than i am. oh geez wow so you know they'd all the, i i didn't have a lot of time growing up in the same household as them you know they had moved on and um but you're the youngest yes troy'd have to be the oldest Tom would be the Tom oldest. was the oldest. Yes, Tom was the oldest. And, and you know, now they're also, too, they're, you know, I mean, psh, psh, what the heck, let's throw it out there. They're, um, I'm half-brothers to all of them. Sure. And they really get pissed off when I call them all that I'm the only purebred. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the oldest and the youngest were challenged. E- yes. And then, and then there was a couple of sisters in there, too. But, but anyway... Tommy mackerel. Tom, but I'm, but Leonard is still the the age difference is still me and Leonard is the closest one to me. Leonard and Troy, and I have the same mother. Tom, we're talking about the brothers. Tom and I have have the same father. Uh huh. And so Leonard and Troy are fools. <laughs> Tom is a step to those two guys. Anyway, I got you. and they're all, and I don't know if. You know, people know them. Some people know them. Some you probably know Leonard. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, they're all world champions, right? You know, Tom was a world champion in the Pleasure Horse deal. He's in the NSBA Hall of Fame. Bunch of stuff. You know, Troy's a world champion cutter. Yeah. Um, Leonard won. You know, he won the world in the cow horse, and I mean, he can rope. He can do anything. He can do anything. He, he really yeah. can. Very, very, very talented, talented person. Um. Anyway. So those guys, like I talked about the place in Escondido and stuff like that, you know, they were real into that and, and a lot of that sales stuff and stuff like that. Well, they all moved on and, um, you know, Tom was doing the horse show thing by then. I mean, he was, he, and 
Actually, all of them were. They all, I mean, Leonard had a brief stint in construction and a few other things, which, you know, everybody did something, you know, or mm-hmm. Leonard wanted to be, you know, he, I think he did the construction so he could team rope. But anyway, you know, so, but they all were predominantly horse trainers. Well, he had but they to all have that on. many horses and that much stuff to pay for all the, did he, was it divorces or what? How in the heck did he afford all that? Afford what? Did he get married? How are you all half brothers? Because he got married and my dad was divorced, my mother was widowed from their first marriage. Oh, from their first. They are the second marriage. Oh, so I am then a result they... of the second marriage. Oh, they brought those together. So then, where? How old are your sisters? They're old. They're old. They're older. <laughs> <they're> old. <laughs> Not long, not young yeah. like you. I mean, they're not middle-aged like me. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no, they're six all, of They're you. all between... They're all late 60s. Late 60s. So there were six of you. No, Two you, sisters, four brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, That's the way these old California families work. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but well, at least you don't have a brother named Robert <laughs> that you know of. Yeah. That know. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so be a Bob. To clarify, your dad was Clarence Chown. Correct. Okay. Because then the brothers are Troy and Leonard Davis. Yeah. Yep. That as was, well as Tom Chown. Yeah. Just to clarify for listeners yes. that are scratching their head <laughs> trying to put the put family tree together. together. <laughs> right. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> and one sister was a Chown, and one was a Davis. No, no Davis, no Davis girls. Oh, all, all the girls. girls are all the girls. Chowns, mm. you know. And so, anyway, but uh, well, there was some labor. Yeah, no, no, and, and but but they and I don't even know how we ended up over here. But anyway, this is how this happens. happens. This is how this, this happens. Is how this happens. So they, uh, but anyway, they they were all gone at the Rawhide place. They were there for a little bit. And my, my brother Tom actually came back there and uh, at one time and rented stalls out of there and ran a training business out of there. And um, Your dad was smart enough to see the training deal wasn't it. We're gonna get people in the horse business and they're going horses. somewhere we're else. We're gonna sell them horses. Horse, right. saddle, bridle, you trailer. You Thank you, it. come back when you need another you name one. It. And then, you know, later on now, like by the time I was 16, I had training horses there. I didn't get any of the money, but I had training horses. Um, you know, and by the time I was 20, I had 40 head in training. And so uh, you're the youngest. How old was your dad when you were 16, say? <sighs> when all that's, I mean. I don't know. He was born I mean, in 1928. 28, so he's covering some ground. Yeah. That was a lot. I don't to want to do. work that hard at that age. Yeah, you don't want to work that hard now. So, you don't even comb your hair. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, I don't have a comb. <laughs> no, but then he figured, out, you know. But then, and it just kind of evolved that way. And actually, it evolved that way too. It's kind of how I ended up in the raining horses too. As far as uh, you know, I mean, I I actually started all of this stuff, <laughs> horse stuff, whether it's the training, whether it's even the disciplines I do as a result of my family in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I showed Ryan horses because my dad had a stud by the name of Chub Cody that was a really, really good horse. And he sired some really good colts that had a lot of ability to rein. And I just kind of fell into that. And I did that because that's what those horses did. And where I grew up, we didn't have no cows. I mean, when I wanted to go work a cow, we led it from the petting zoo to the arena and I chased <laughs> it around. You forgot to mention the petting yeah, zoo. Yeah, you didn't mention well, the petting zoo. Like, yeah. Oh, my Lord. So, oh. so anyway, yeah, no, we did all that. And then uh, it, uh, but I actually showed cow horses in youth. I mean, I showed cow horses. See, my brother Leonard married Lori Richards. And I, so we had horses there, obviously, that were, had an ability to be performance horses, you know. Well, we didn't have no cows, or we didn't have no, and Ronnie had moved to Clements. Ronnie Richards, yeah. Moved to Clements. Lori's and, dad. And Leonard was up there training with him. Son-in-law, yep. Yep. So anyway, we uh, would go, I wanted, decided I kind of wanted to do that, okay? I had been, well, I don't know. We'd get back around to this or whatever, but Ronnie Richards was like an idol anyway. I mean, you know, this, this is a funny story, getting back on this other deal. It ain't funny, but it's just you never know the significance of certain things when they're happening. You never know the significance of something going on in somebody else's life, you know? But... My first recollection of a stock horse, a reigning horse, a dry work horse, have no cows, whatever, is I'm about, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, something like that. And I mean, I'd known about him, seen him, whatever else, you know, okay. But I'm at Del Mar, at the horse show there. And that was a time where you just, you know, they had to fare there and everything else. And I mean, I just got dropped off. I mean, I was right. wandering around. Yeah, this kick, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sure under the cover of one of my brothers was watching right. me or I was there with them. You know, they I, really I would care. think that I can't never remember seeing any of them when I was there. But <laughs> anyway, that was probably the cover story. Anyway, but I'm wandering around. But I can tell you right now what I saw that day. I saw Ronnie Richards show Wimpy's hired hand. And I can't tell you. And Wimpy's hired hand is not a horse that when, I don't think when you talk to Ronnie, uh, the significance of things, when you talk about great horses in his career, that's not a name that's going to come up, you know. He was in the Stallions and Gildings class. He won, but not a, I mean, good win for the day, but not a, when you start talking about the accolades of Ronnie Richards, the Stallions and Gildings class is not going to be whatever. But I can tell you what, I can tell you sitting there watching Wimpy's hired hand, being a little kid, thinking that was the coolest thing I ever said. I can see him running to his second stop. I can see the bell boot flying in the air when he overreached, stayed in the ground. I can hear the lady behind me say, oh, he just lost a bell boot. Hear the guy next to him say, well, you don't need it. Him <laughs> twirling around, running back to the middle. And that stuck with me, obviously, to this day. And that was when I thought that might be an option for me. That's pretty cool. And you don't know, and that's the thing is, too, you know, you learn later in life or whatever that you never know when those significant moments are going to happen. 
And Ronnie didn't realize that was probably not a significant moment in his career. Well, it was to a seven-year-old kid in the stands. Mm. You know, I can remember him walking in there, wondering why he wasn't on that other horse. And then they called out that horse that I thought was supposed to win first, and he had to get off and change, get on the other horse. It's like, yeah, like you should have known that, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's like when I saw Royal Cutter go down the fence with Ingersoll, when I saw Tangelina spin. I mean, things that stick in your mind. And those things, Royal Cutter going down the fence, Tangelina spinning, whatever, for an example, is probably what then made me think, well, cow horse is cool, you know? So, how do we get doing the cow horse? We go, we send a mare, my dad sends a mare, named Mighty Might, to Leonard for, my, for me to show any youth. And I'm gonna show any youth. And at that time, like to go, it was a big deal to go to the junior stock horse deal at Reno. And, but it was, it was like you had to qualify for it. They took the top 10 and the 13 and under and the top 10 and the 14 through 17 or whatever it was. And um, which would be, it would be like if the youth bridal at the snaffle bit now was a invitational and you had to qualify for it by being in the top 10. And this is when it's the CRCHA, not the NRCHA, mm -hmm. you know, before the NRCHA. And so anyway, he goes up there. And so I uh, probably, 15 by now, you know, and we'll get back around to that. I'd been rodeoing and I'd gotten too many concussions and I couldn't ride bucking horses and bulls anymore. And I'd been roping some. Oh, you, you, know, took, you took the good sports in rodeo, huh? The long ones? Yeah. Where you last forever? Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. I didn't want to rope. <laughs> I'd be a sissy. Oh, oh yeah. I'd rough stock. I left the Western Pleasure when I was four. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> No, but anyway, so we go, uh, uh, I flew up there a few weekends and rode this Mighty Might Mare, got lessons. Never got a lesson from Ronnie, get lessons from Leonard. And that's how my whole cow horse deal got started. Now, when I'd come home, I'd practice on my rope horse, all the stuff I'd seen and all that you know all that good stuff all your new stuff all my new tricks <laughs> all my new and watching ronnie and whatever else when or what i'd learned from leonard and everything else so i'd practice you know go get the cow from the from the petting zoo <laughs> later up okay no. unsnapper yeah. i'm ready i'm ready <laughs> bring me the beef but you know that's a different story but yeah i mean you guys rode enough rope horses and stuff but you know if one really tracks good and everything else you'd be surprised how quickly they'll go down the fence because when they go down that fence, if they're right off that hip, when that cow turns around and they'll find that hip on the other side, bingo, what just Got happened? It. A fence turn. That left fence turn gets good quick. Yeah. Right one's a little iffy. Yeah. So, but you know, but so that she kind of had that. Well, anyway, the mighty mite mare, the one that Leonard had, was a terrible hauler. I mean, would like <laughs> kick the back door off the freaking trailer. Hey, but your dad had more trailers. Yeah, yes, yeah. he did. <laughs> more doors. Yes, he did. But they did. We didn't take take extra doors with us. Going, you know. <laughs> so she'd get to the horse show, and I mean, her hocks would be raw hammer from kicking the trailer. You know. So I showed her the first NRCHA, CRCHA show I ever went to. I showed it in the uh, youth bridal at Bakersfield, 
And I showed up Mighty Might Mare. And uh, anyway, then went something like sales. Well, anyway, that mare, about the third horse show, she was crippled all the time now. And I mean, because she'd been kicking, trying to go there and everything. So I thought, well, I want something to show. And then I went somewhere and couldn't show her. So I took my rope mare. Okay. And that was 1982 that I'm talking about. This is all happening. Now, because the roping mare, <laughs> I was taking her. Well, I got her qualified too. Okay. And the mighty might mare couldn't go because she literally kicked the back door off a two horse trailer. I mean, you didn't ever tap the brakes while you were hauling or anything. I like couldn't that. drive yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, I drove around a ranch in a ranch truck, but I yeah. didn't have a license, you know, but which never stopped me later. But that that's a different story. <laughs> but anyway, long story short on that deal, the Chubb's Chocolate Mare wins Reno. She wins the uh, the junior stock. Horse Your rope deal. horse. My rope horse. Uh-huh. Chubb's Chocolate. And uh, she was one of them old Chubb Cody mares. Out of a mare named Bo Chocolate that I assure you was nothing special. But anyway then and that mare actually was a full sister to my first world champion running horse that i won the senior running on at the world show in 87 a mare named coco cody miss so that mm. was all again it all comes back to the family deal there and the family the family horses but without those family horses i don't i probably don't rain, i don't do right. that without my brothers being trainers i don't do that you know i mean Without so, Ronnie Richards winning, the- without Ronnie Richards doing that, well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and that's what I'm saying. And and might I had something else that that pushed me in that direction later, maybe. But that's what I'm saying right there too. You know, and that's something we got to remember that the older I get, and God knows, I mean, you know, when <laughs> I've made a fool of myself in public many times. I'm trying to do that less now. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> but the thing is, we don't realize when people, when something that's just an everyday occurrence to us is a significant thing in someone's life. Yeah. And Ronnie showing that old Gildan was a significant moment in my life. I think that a lot, Robert, about that. When I first started this, every fair had a cat we hauled all over california and did stock horse classes Mm -hmm. cow horse classes and they were terrible setups terrible arenas Mm -hmm. terrible cattle but how many people saw it because it was yeah because in california especially all up and down that coast all them coastal fairs there were people there that a little inkling of the western lifestyle but didn't really think it existed and then this walk up to this fence and there it's going on. And yeah. they watch it like, holy mackerel, well, I could have one of those. I could do that. I could own one maybe mm-hmm. even. Well, I tell you another thing too that, that goes right in line with what you're saying is at a lot of the big shows out there at that time, you had a complete mix of horse people too. We had, when I was a kid and we'd go to Del Mar, I mean, they eventually split the hunters and jumpers off it to do another time. But we would have stock horses, hunters, jumpers, gated horses, hackney ponies, you name it. Everything. I mean, and, and I'm talking, and this is something that I think really is, is, was a cool deal. And um, 
in certain ways, I'm, I'm, it's sad we got away from, I mean, there would be an evening performance. I mean, high, men wore suits, ladies wore furs. I mean, it was a deal to, do. to go to the horse show. It was a to-do. It was, and it was a performance. And it would start at seven or whatever, you know, and it would run for about two to three hours. Yep. And you would see a few different disciplines. And, but what it did is, is I think it, um, it got a lot of crossover things, like you're talking about how many people saw it. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody that had a hunter jumper could see a stock horse. You know, somebody that had a five-gated horse could see a Western Pleasure horse. Or it doesn't matter, but you, you get my drift. Mm-hmm. But, and I think that's good. I think one of the problems we have to watch out for is that we don't get, we have to be specialized anymore. We have to, to a certain point, be segregated to a point. Mm-hmm. To make all our different, we, we're not just, we have the horse industry, yes, but there's cow horse industry, there's rain horse industry, there's cutting horse industry, there's pleasure horse industry, there's all of these things within themselves. But I think we have to keep other people involved as far as other disciplines. We have to reach out and whether it's us in the cow horse or whether it's whatever, I like to see People cross over. I also think it's healthy for trainers. I think it's healthy for a lot of things. I mean, you know, I didn't learn how to change leads from a reining horse trainer. I learned from my first part of changing leads. I learned from my brother who's training Western riders. You know, I mean, so it's, and, and there's a lot of crossover stuff as far as if you want one to move better, you know, just basic I think the more education you can get, you want to talk about lift one in the shoulders? I rode with some gated horses, with some, with some standard, with some saddlebred trainers, you know? You want to talk about pick one up, you want to stick some knee on one, go get you one of them. I mean, you know, just things like that, that I think is good, not only for the industry, but is good for the horse trainers, is good for everybody. Not, not, not that we're going to do everything like some other industry, but if you get one little thing, yeah, and it keeps your mind open, keeps you thinking. And then you also got to remember the competition isn't between cow horse and jumping horse because there's two sets of people. There's the people that can do everything and the people that can afford everything. Mm-hmm. The people that can afford everything are there watching the jumping horse and thinking, hey, that's kind of neat over there. But they are also going to go to the car show, the boat show, the motorcycle show. So the broader you make your deal there, they can move around within the Western industry or even the horse industry, the longer they'll stay there and do from one to the other. And then the same thing with the young kids that are like, they can do anything. They could ride bucking horses. They can ride bulls. They can do the cow horse. They can rope. They can ride dirt bikes. They can race boats. They can race cars. It's all in there. So if you make yourself a one and done deal, you're not reaching any kids. Maybe they don't have as much money, but they have the talent that could come and do this. And you're not reaching the people that come and watch it. They'll, they'll go do, you know, they'll have a boat instead. Well, yeah, exactly. And you, you get, you know, you always have to be looking for new blood. I don't care what you're doing, what industry you're in. And it's all rocking along 
great right now. I'm, I'm saying yeah, it's, it's great. Rolling. Yeah, it's It's great. It's great. But one reason it's great is look at all the new blood in the last five years. I mean, incredible. I mean, you would go to a cow horse show in this part of the world, and he, you never had to ask who's that. Right. I, I mean, uh, for it's, years. It's, it's insane now how many people I don't know at the show. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but you have to keep doing that because yeah. the, the whole thing is, is what, you know, people go through different stages of life and everything else. They may be in the horse deal. They may be out of the horse deal. Kid might be in the horse deal. He might be out of the horse deal, go to college. He might come back later. He might be an owner. He might be a, a non-pro. He may, whatever. But they go through it. But that's why we have to have consistent new blood coming in and figure and reach out to those people in, in not just that don't do any discipline, but do other disciplines and mm-hmm. get them in here um, because we're going to have, just through natural, the way life is, people are going to quit doing it. Mm-hmm. People are going to quit or, you know, I mean, not to whatever, but people get old. I mean, you know, whatever. But we got, if we keep those people coming in there, you know, and, and that, that's the key to the health of any industry. Well, I know the gal in Florida, I believe it's Roberts, mm-hmm. pumping all that money into the new facility down there in Florida, and they're, like, making pleasure this huge priority down there. And I think that that is – it's easy for, as a cow horse trainer, to ignore the stuff that's going on over there and think, you know, uh, when I always – I don't know. I get a little irritated when I hear people just kind of blow off another discipline mm-hmm. just because of that fact. You know what I mean? Like in 2011, when Traveling Jones was a three-year-old, Brian Baker come, spent my, come and spent a couple weeks at my house between a couple pleasure shows. He's an excellent pleasure horse trainer up in Ohio. Great friend of mine. He comes down. And he's like, hey, you need to do a little this and a little that. That's something that'll open a little better. Mm-hmm. So I did, and you know what? It helped in a lot. It helped more than just him loping. You gotcha. know what I mean? It all goes together, and I think there's not nearly enough people that are well-rounded about what they do, you know? And, and I think that's a, that's a deal that gets lost sometimes. And, well, you mentioned the Roberts thing, too. The interesting thing is there, too, is, you know, I guess the ground down there right now is mainly for the jumping and for the pleasure and stuff like that. But I will have you, I heard the other day, they're right around the back side of it. They're building another set of arenas with dirt so they can have cow events. Hey. Ooh. Outstanding. Yeah. And they can also rain out there, stuff like that, because the way it is right now, I guess, you know, you couldn't rain on it or stuff like that. But to have more, you know, performance. Must be like those pins at NRBC where you're not allowed to stop or spin. <laughs> There's three arenas. There's signs on the gate when you go down there. You can ride in here. Absolutely no sliding or spinning like what in the world else are you going to do yeah. in this rascal but yeah you can go circle the tar sounds out of like night. when i used to get kicked out of the wow. aqha world show in the middle of the night general riding <laughs> well speaking of the aqha world show i mean i think of my relationship with brian i mean we were we were assistants up there in the same area in purcell when i worked for todd but i know so many of those guys from the quarter horse show from the quarter horse world show when we'd all go in there and we were all there the whole time and you'd go watch the western ride and you'd go watch the two-year-old pleasure class and they'd come watch the cow horse they'd come watch the raining and we were there and now when you go up there that quarter horse show you see the same exact people you see Mm -hmm. at every other weekend show you go to 
I mean, it's there's your cow horse crowd. Maybe you overlap with the cutters that you see every other weekend. Maybe you overlap with the ropers that you see every third weekend. And, I mean, there's not any crossover. You know, you're not there during the jumping. You're not there during the Western Pleasure, the Pleasure Driving, stuff like this. Right. I mean, I remember Ron Rawls going up there and, we're gonna go watch the pleasure drive and he's like what the heck's this pleasure drive <laughs> he's like is this like i'm explaining it to him he's like is it like ben hur <laughs> like, no i don't there's not gonna be no spikes no. come out of the wheels you know nobody's standing up and <laughs> whooping on these rascals yeah i tell you what though i'd pay a lot more in mission to go watch the pleasure mm. drives and oh. if they set up an electric guy and it was time to vent huh <laughs> yeah well, hey, but, my mom was in a pleasure driving class one time, and she, as a prank, she had this uh, blow up bra. <laughs> but somehow the pump malfunctioned, and as it was bouncing along, that bra kept pumping up pretty quick. She got, she's got, she's got a face full of it. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, like. <laughs> Well, one problem with... <laughs> I think I just rendered Russell speechless. I, I was trying to remember the movie uh, with uh, Chris... Um, Who's the guy that, guy that died? David Spade Chris, Chris Farley. Farley. Yeah, and he had the uh, life vest that blew up. <laughs> He's a big, big dumb farm animal. Big, big dumb farm animal. <laughs> <laughs> big animal and a little vest. Fat yeah, guy just, and a little, little, little vest. vest. I don't think we can say that now. I think that's considered bullying. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, snowflakes. <laughs> Go rip major pain. <laughs> oh. Well, the one thing, though, is that all the disciplines are getting so big mm -hmm. that with time to get everybody through the ring, you just can't. We don't cross over as much. I know. I think it's more of a, you Which know. Which is a good and bad. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But I do think, I, th I think it's more of a mindset than, than anything else that, like, where we just need to stay open-minded to talk to people of other disciplines and to go recruit those kind of people. And when we see that, you know, and, and actually, you know, and I've, I've just always been, it's, not really ever been that difficult for me because I have such an appreciation of a good horse doing anything, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't care if it's a five gated horse, jumping horse, cow horse, cutting horse, pleasure horse, running horse, American Pharaoh, you know, heading down the lane. I mean, it doesn't matter. I appreciate greatness when I see it, you know, and, and I think as long as we really just kind of realize that, even though it may not be our deal, you know, there's something there we can appreciate. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it, but you're right. I mean, I don't know, you know, you can't have a, well, I mean, you know, back when I, one of the first NRHA randoms I went to was a Texas classic, you know, and that was back when they'd have 200 and a pleasure fraternity, you know, <sighs> and then they'd have a rain in there and a bunch of other stuff too. And, uh, you know, but I don't think you can do that now. But I guess they still do, like, the Congress and stuff Well, like that. it's but, hard because, know. so, after the Texas Classic kind of went away, we started doing this wild rag show in mm -hmm. Fort Worth with, obviously, we didn't do a full quarter horse show, but we tried to do it with the cow horse and the cutting and some reining and some ranch riding and mm -hmm. roping. And I'm telling you, our schedule... That's, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's I mean, it, brutal. like we decided down there that we're probably, I mean, we'll probably keep the roping in it, but that's probably it because it's just not feasible to try and get that much into, I mean, dadgum, that show we started, we moved in there on Monday. Yeah. 
And I mean, so Monday to Sunday, I mean, this is, it, it, it was incredible. And we were out there. I don't think I got back to the trailer before midnight all week. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Well, and it's twofold. It's not just that each event is getting so much bigger, but we have so many events. Mm -hmm. Also, it was okay when one event was huge when you didn't have one but once every three months. Well, now you can go do it uh, a lot, a couple times a month, easy. And those couple times are five days long. So. Take 10 days yeah. out with Phil. a little travel time, figure out how much time you have left at home. Yeah, it fills your old calendar up pretty quick. Yes. Okay. I guess you're rubbing the hair off my top of my head. I think it is too. <laughs> that's, that, that's what happened. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, because I, rem- I, I remember you having full head of hair before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Between uh, the frustrations and the scheduling and the headsets rubbing the hair off your head, I'm sure that's what caused it. Yeah. (laughs) Russell, you know, and and I don't know, this is something that I always found kind of interesting. You remember when Russell had had the goggles? Oh, yeah. Oh. Do you you know? See, I didn't know Russell. I knew him, but I didn't know know him, know him. I mean, you know, seen him around, stuff like that. Not in the biblical sense. Yeah. (laughs) Well, see, the funny thing was, is I didn't realize they were prescription. <laughs> I thought that was just part of his show day, right? <laughs> hey, protection. Like he was going to go fast. You I know? don't know if Russell knows this, but I bought a pair of, they were, I think he wore Oakley's, but I had a pair of Nikes with interchangeable lenses so that I, because I had them for driving and going down the fence. And I mean, I wanted to be Russell Dilday, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I 2002. Didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I never. I bought a pair of goggles. I didn't know he wore on. glasses. All right. <laughs> I thought that was just part of the of the of the persona, as far as you know, you <laughs> you pull them down and let's let's get it. Yeah, I think in 2002, I remember Bobby Harrison judged the fraternity. I remember him. I remember Doug Williamson was probably the first person to ever talk to me as an assistant that actually treated me like a person and not just some <laughs> underling that happened to be sitting on one of Crawford's horses. And I remember Russell, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure what to think about Russell, but my, my buddy, Mark Matson, who I was uh, working at Todd's with was like, Oh, you got to meet this Russell. You got to meet this Russell. You'll know him when you see him. Where's glasses? When sure enough, like that crazy guy that's running around. Like, like, I don't even know what. I've never seen anything quite like Russell. We never know when those impactful moments in our life are going to happen. It. Do That's it. <laughs> yeah, I bought myself a set of interchangeable lens wraparound sunglasses and said, we are going down the fence now. I stopped watering. That's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. No more dirt clods. That's the worst thing. So, like, part of my training program is going to the tail, right? I will just go let my horse go to the tail and that's fine except them cows kick a lot of dirt Dirt. in your i'll have in my hat i'll have dirt embedded under my hat band but man alive yeah i mean it's dangerous you've got to have goggles if you like you if you're if it's a windy day you're wearing a ball cap got your hat spun around backwards like i'll do you better have goggles on because you got no shield you got no shield. You're going to catch it right in the face. It's like driving a motorcycle and catching bugs in the teeth. It's not no good. No, no. You know, you know, I'll tell you what, maybe, you know, you could maybe market some goggles with the cow horse full contact logo on the side. 
Might well, the, the funny thing is my eyes went bad again. That's why I had these on. <laughs> and they did these last week, and I handed them my, my the ones. They're not actually Oakley's, they're a, but they look just like those ones I had. And I said, I need some prescription in those so I can go cow horsing. Because these are just too they're They're just not the same as a wraparound. Right. And they've got that damn... You need like the James talk. Worthy. You need the James Worthy there glasses. There you go. Yeah. What are those? Remember James when he played the for Laker? the Lakers that had the, Oh, the yeah. Didn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar have them? Yep, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I got those. Hey, that, next week. not not I mean, you know, Don't not, let not to bring this back to a cowhorse question or anything. <laughs> but um, speaking of goggles and seeing things and whatever, do you guys think you see a cow differently out of one side than the other? Mm-hmm. I, I've heard that, and I would agree, except that I did an experiment because I had a kid work for me that could only see out of one eye. <laughs> and I thought, this is going to be a great strength for you because you're going to see the cow out of the same eye on both sides because you can't see nothing out of his left eye anyway. Because I'd just drive down the road with my finger in his eye and see how long it'd take before he noticed. And no, he was still along to the left. Yeah. Yep, didn't help. I don't know. I haven't thought of it i think i i think so i don't think everybody i think so is why why i just you know i was just curious what y'all thought i haven't never thought of that because i think i yeah i think i do a little bit i know i see them different now these damn progressive bifocals (laughs) (laughs) oh well they never cows now did that 500 pounder become an 800 pounder or what yes and all (laughs) my horses that cow i worked today and they um all my horses were short as heck like the ground was right there. I felt like I was riding Shetland ponies. And, and then I'm cowboying and stuff, and I was kind of doing some, there was some stuff going on that was a little dangerous. And when they got up under me there in the danger zone, I missed my, I missed everything. I missed where they were at. I run over them. I miss, I missed the turn in the gate. And I remember Boyd Rice telling me something about his glasses. And I, so I called him like, hey, what the heck? Did you just get over it? Or did you, didn't you have the progressive and you got over it? He says, oh, my God, no, they almost killed me. And if you think that's bad, wait till you go healing. You won't even hit the cow. He said, you got to get rid of them things. I said, that's what I thought. Because I was just thinking, going down the fence right there in that spot where you need to make your decisions, everything's a blur. No, don't do it. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm getting <laughs> it's the, the bi, It's the bifocals. It's is the, the bifocals. Right. And he told me he went with the ones with the line because then you know when you're, when you're in them and he had them drop them all the way to the bottom. These just, you don't know when it happens. You just look and all of a sudden everything's gone. You just need a separate pair of readers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I You think need your too. readers in your pocket. Well, my, yeah, there's a CVS right over here. I have those readers all over the place. <laughs> so they're everywhere. They're I'm thinking I need a monocle. They're such a, a pain monocle. to call. Hold on, dude. I'm going to get like a monocle. Monopoly guy. I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to get a Monopoly monocle and put it on a string. <laughs> Just hang it in my pocket. And if I need to read, I'll put one in there. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. It's like bringing back the um, pocket watch. <laughs> 
Well, Russell's wearing a vest these days because he's got eight. He needs eight hundred pockets for all his crap. Yeah, he's got four chains running across the pockets, and his wallet isn't hooked up to one of them. <laughs> Jeff Fox really say if your dog and your wallet are both on a chain, you might be a redneck. <laughs> If your monocle and your watch and your knife are all in a chain, you might be an aging cowboy trainer. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Your glucose monitor. Uh, but here's the guy. Yeah. And then he got the other guy in the corner taking his blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is I said, hey, so I got that surgery and it was awesome. And I would like to do that again. The guy says, yeah, you know, I don't know. That uh, Lasix is pretty good, but replacing the lenses is better. I said, well, what's the cost difference? Well, the Lasix's about 6,000, but the lens deal's about 16. I'm like, holy mackerel. He says, but it's okay, because you've got cataracts coming on. And if you just wait three years, I can get it on your health on your uh, your health insurance. I'm like, oh, thank you, so good to know. Until then, we're back. I was about to of those cataracts. Soon I'm going to have have a surgery no matter what. Until then, we're back to the wraparound sunglasses. Oh. what color of lenses did you used to have? Were they yellow, orange, amber? amber. I always got the amber. Yeah, they were pimp. Amber's way so much better. These. They were supposed to get these in amber, and they're not. So they get too dark in the dark. Oh, those adjust? Yeah. They don't have to look for a second pair. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're looking for, make sure you don't drop them on the floor. Well, you wouldn't have that problem. At least I'll have my monocle. Yeah, I don't leave my, I don't have the comb over. I don't have enough for the comb over. I might get my eyebrows hung up in the window. Rip. <laughs> Your hair. <laughs> uh, you know what, Ben? ben our, new, our new sponsor needs to be Waxing the City. <laughs> I don't. I think I would bleed to death if they wax those things. <laughs> those hairs are so thick, I think it would just take my ear off. <laughs> I told I told the girl that worked for me, She, God bless her, Jess Ortiz, she's got the alopecia. And so every time the Wax in the City commercial would come on, I'd be like, Jess, you need to call in there and you could be the spokesperson. You could be the model for Wax in the City. She's like, shut up. Get away from me. <laughs> hey, what about our habanero that we switched to? Yeah, no, that's Pretty outstanding. Sweet. Thank you, Jared Melton. Yeah, nice. Robert, that's paving Robert's uh, road back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm right here. Got my training wheels on. Hey, that's pretty good stuff, isn't it's it? It's really good stuff. It's crazy. When they said habanero, I'm like, yeah, I don't like the spicy stuff. Yeah. That is so no, sweet. No, it's, it's tasty. Mm. Crazy. Goes really good with sour boys. It does, and yeah. Even, it even it does go itself. good with the sour boys <laughs> rope candy. Yeah. Fruit sour fruit by the foot. I think that's tape candy. Isn't it? It's Maybe. pretty flat for a rope. It's whatever you want to call it because it's not on the bag. All right, it's rope candy then, Chris. Good call. A rope candy. I'll have to get some of that Texas. for Cheryl. She loves that stuff. We're going to send some home with you. She'll be hooked. Well. 
I and, imagine she will be. And you can make her drive when you're sleepy. Because if you take that sour stuff, it just mm, makes yeah, you wake well, up. Yeah. I bet yeah. you can order it, too. I bet they'll ship it straight to your house. Yeah, I bet you can call Caleb, Phil, Phil, Caleb Phelps, and he will send you your very own box. What is it? Sour.gg. That's their website, sour.gg. Nice. Thank you for Just the plug, Just go there and pull it in from way out there. Yeah, from left field. <laughs> hey, I watched, a, did, ooh, I watched the San Francisco Giants game last night, and Yastrzemski run off there in the foul territory and caught one, like jumped into the net like it was a trampoline. It was outstanding. Mm. So, anyway. Have See, this is how this happens. <laughs> you never know where we're going to go. Right. Mostly because we don't. Right. Well, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not whipping this pony off the trail right now. <laughs> y'all, y'all have done this. Okay. Hey. hey, our first interview with Ron Rawls, I had, see, I have a notebook in front of me to look official. I but, see. But I had an outline for Ron Rawls. Like, I had, like, all these talking points to keep ourselves on mm-hmm. track. And we did away with that. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Hey, so when did you start rodeoing? 13, oh, when I, no, when I was little, littler than that. No, I um, probably, I mean, you know, like five riding steers and that kind of oh, stuff, yeah. you know, on to that. But then was mainly probably 12, 13, 14 in there, you know, and um, went to like a lot of those. National Little Birches Rodeo, they were the mm. biggest association in the country at that time, you know. Won, won the Little Birches Finals in 79. There you go. What you event? Know. Got huh? after the holler-around wow. bike crack. Oh. But, wow. Know. Yeah. What, three events? Oh, three events. <laughs> Whatever. Goat slapping? No. Were you a goat slapper? I, hey, I was a two-time world champion junior boy goat tire. Oh, goat tire, not a slapper. No, no. Didn't do the slapping. Yes, no, no. That's, you know. What's so, a goat slapping? Well, that I'm, sounds like something he went to a different kind I of rodeo know. for. <laughs> hey, so ask Brody Boys. That was his favorite event when Ra, we were hanging around Robbie and they were going to junior rodeos. And they were telling me about Brody doing the goat slapping. I'm like, what in the world is a goat slapping? Well, I don't You run, get a, you run down there, basically like the goat tying, but you got to just run there and you slap that goat and that's when your time ends. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Because they're not smart enough to tie it? Well, Only they were the little. Girls they were little. They were oh. real little. Oh, I mean, tiny guys. I mean, tiny. Yeah, I mean, I think you was four or five. And bail off and run and slap that rascal. Well, anyway, I did that. I roped, calf roped, ribbon roped, rode bulls, rode bareback horses. Parents wouldn't let me ride saddle rock horses because it was, quote, unquote, too dangerous. Now, how did they draw uh, that bulls line? Bulls and bareback. <laughs> yeah. My dad said, you are not riding bareback. You yeah. ride saddle bronc all you want. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, hanging, dragging off a saddle bronc or off a bareback horse was much more safe than the chance of getting a foot in a stirrup. They were worried about his foot in a stirrup. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But hey, anyway. My stepdad, I thought I wanted to ride saddle bronc in high school, and, and my stepdad's a double tough rascal. And he said he rode bulls, and he rode bareback horses. And the first saddle bronc he got on, he got jerked over one's head and shattered his elbow and said that was the only saddle bronc he ever got on. Yeah. I was like, maybe I don't want to ride saddle broncs. And I yeah. had no interest to do the other two. So, But we, you know, rode a lot of bronchy horses at my dad's, but, you know, 
didn't uh, never did that. But so yeah. when did you fade out of the rodeo? Basically, my middle teens, because I'd actually I'd had so many concussions from which, uh, you know, and I mean, you know, you don't need to comment on that. You knew something was up with that. But, <laughs> but I was no, more no, thinking, seriously. Why, did you just hold on too long? Why is your head hitting no, first? No, just different stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, getting thrown in your head, getting, you know, and I really didn't get hurt that much. It just seemed to be the same thing. I mean, I hurt my knee once and this and that and da 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 da. But I kept getting hit in the head, um, and whether it's thrown off that way, I mean, probably the worst concussion thing I got was you know I was on a bareback horse, and this thing's pretty rank. And I mean, but you know, and I mean, <laughs> you rode bareback horses. Well, anyway, you know, and I mean, you're riding nope. off, off that bind, yeah, you know, with your hand. Well, I mean, I'm laid back there trying to get after it, you know, and my hand just rips. This thing just drops and just jerks that rigging out of my hand. Well, he, I get kind of back, and then I get in time with him, and I come down just as he's coming down with his butt. Mm. Then so he hits me there, and I mean sends me long ways in the air. And I turn over in the air and come down and do this diving thing. And Greg Luganus. Yeah. <laughs> lost two, no water lost two days of my life over that. Woke up in the hospital two days later. I had I'll no never clue. get those back. <laughs> yeah, never get that back. Have no idea. I guess I I guess I said quite a few things during those two days, from what I understand. <laughs> Don't recall any of it, you know. But no, that that was probably worse. But I mean I'd, I'd I had probably eight or nine concussions in about a three year period. How big what size hat you wear? <laughs> no, the swelling was on the inside <laughs> well like i probably about a seven now i've lost a little hair oh hmm. russell seven, wears seven about six eight. and a half yeah no yeah a little seven bit. i would have landed on my most. feet all the time my head was the lightest thing <laughs> Yeah, if Russell hit the ground with his head first. He'd, I would he'd stick. Mine <laughs> yeah. was pointed yeah. like a wedge. Yeah. So anyway, then we decided that was okay. Here's, was the, it the, here's, the, sequence, here's the sequence of career choices. What now? <laughs> was it the faster girls in rodeo versus the pleasure? What? Well, yeah, but when you lose two days of your life, sometimes the slow ones the only ones you can catch. <laughs> You know, there was there was only a few career choices in my life that was going to happen. You know, well, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I figured out by the time I was nine, I was not going to be that big enough. Out. So that was out. that one's out. Okay. Then I thought drummer, drummer in a rock band. I thought that would be cool. Were you a Staubach fan? Oh God, yeah. Oh Maine, huh? Who wouldn't? Yeah. yeah. No, big time. I mean, Cal. I mean, grew up in California, but always was a cowboy fan. You know, I mean, even. Did you survive the Romo years? The Romo years. I survived the one in 15 years, the years before that. I mean, you know, the whatever years. It, it's, it's always been steady. Okay. Now, sometimes you can't admit it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's always been steady, you know. No, as far as that goes. But I never really learned how to play the drums very good, so that was out. <laughs> Going back. Dang it. I would be a great drummer if I could play yeah. drums. Then there was the NFR Bull Riders era. 
that that's what I thought I wanted to do. Then there was the concussion issue with that. Dang it. So what do we got left? Horse trainer. Yee. No, you know, so that's that's what we yeah, did. Yeah, but you still have all the disciplines to pick from. Well, that's that's true. But, you know, I mean, I tried training pleasure horses because my brother was really good at it, and he was going to help me, and he's so I was pleasure horse trainer. That was probably one of the longer months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then... He's like, you're wasting both of our lives. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, train rope horses. But then again, when you got to lead your rope and cattle from the petting zoo, it's <laughs> too much work. <laughs> so, you know, then reining horses, we had, you know, we had stock horse shows and stuff down there. So, I mean, stock horses. And then I'd go show cow horses when I could. But then the cow horses, actually, you know, I started training reiners because we didn't have many cow horse shows in Southern California. Right. Strange since that's a California reined cow horse. Yeah, but it was it was like Bakersfield or North, north. rednecks. Yeah, it's all the rednecks up yeah. north, or or even on the coast. You know, you had to get to at least Santa Maria, probably. Yeah. You know, and and I mean, you know, I thought anybody north of L.A. was up north. I mean, you know, <laughs> shit, where I grew up, anybody above I ten was a Yankee. I mean, you know, <laughs> so it uh, and we so we you know and when I got done. Honestly, too, you know, to, to sell those horses to anybody, they really needed to be riding horses down south. I mean, I couldn't sell a cow horse down south, you know, and I wasn't nowhere to show them. So, there you have it. Were you a little guy when you were young or big? Well, I don't think I shrunk, so I was never very big, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Ken Wolf thought he was like yeah, Pearson Ken size for a while. Until he realized he couldn't reach his stirrup. Well, you know, all things get bigger in the telling or whatever, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, nah, I'm, I'm, I, I say I'm 5'10". I don't think I, I think, I think I might've been there with when Once. crepes, when crepe sole boots were in, Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe, may, maybe close to it, but then no, I was never, but I was never like small and then had a big growth spurt or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a, you know. You were kind of. I never hit the, the awkward rough yearling stage, you know. I mean, I was kind of even all the way through. You were there. You were built for the rough stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't big enough to go, you know. Well, at least you weren't uh, um, deceiving yourself like Mark Madsen when his mom told him you can be anything you want to be. Mark, he says, "I want to be a jockey." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 And for those and of you that don't know Mark Madsen, he is definitely of the timed event build. Yes. yes. And yes. When he did the saddle bronc. I saw him. He was skinny, kind of long, lanky, but he said, yeah. And he had a lot of the same problems. Concussion-y. Mm -hmm. Ground-hitting deal. Ruined his <laughs> career. It's the longest 30 days of his life. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. I know that. So when do you hit on the cow horse and decide that's well, so how when do you leave home? Well, I was training out of my dad's place and I left home when I was what, twenty one maybe? Twenty two? Let me think. And kept training. Twenty two. Well that's when I moved to Texas. Oh. 
way left home. Yeah. I, I have a completely, I'm not going to say that anybody, I have a complete, I have a way different path to Cal Horseville contact here in this lovely place than most people do. I never worked for anybody, a trainer. I was never an assistant. Um, and we can get into that too, as far as there's good and bad in that. There's bad in that, that I had, I hate to say issues. I don't want to say, I don't, I, I don't got no issues, you know? But no, but I mean, there's problems with that too. Cause I've heard you talk about, you know, where you have that, you have that group of peers, you have that group of uh, people that are kind of like in the same, not level, but you know, stage same in life. Mm -hmm. yeah. You are, okay? Well, I mean, and I, and I had a lot of success early. Okay, like 18 to, I mean, won my first open world title at 20. I mean, I had a lot of success early. Mm. Also good and bad. Also. You know, but what, where I'm going with that is, is I had a ton of, I had, like I said, I had 40 head and train and two assistants and everything else in the time I'm 20. Well, what 20 year old is equipped for that? To have none of that, I mean, to be under that deal, you know, I mean, as far as to have that many numbers, to be having people, you know, and, and I'm sure I wasn't the greatest guy to work for at times, but I had no experience of what a boss was supposed to be. I mean, you know, my dad come around morning and he'd yell at some people over here and he'd go yell at some people over there and that was management to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, live with it. Yeah. So, you know, but what I'm getting at there is, is I feel that like in my deal, uh, in my own career, in my own life, that like everything has been like fast forwarded. Okay. Like I was really successful at 20, burned out and didn't know it by the time I was 30, mm. called a has been at 40. I mean, just go along. And that's why too, which is, this is a completely different subject, but I have a lot of feeling for older trainers that get discarded because, you know, I'm, I'm younger, but I have been through some of that and early. through some early. And the thing is too, and then other things that people, again, you don't know what people are going through, you know, whether it's health deals or whatever else. But anyway, I left, I had a very, very, uh, you know, I had a very successful deal in California and was doing really good out there. But at that point, I wanted to go, I always had a desire to compete at the highest level at whatever that was. That's what I wanted to do. So when I was a reigning horse trainer and that's what fueled me, that's what I was doing. I wanted to show in the NRHA. I mean, I wanted to go to the Congress. I wanted to go to the NRHA fraternity, which was at the Congress at that time. I wanted to go to those big reinings. You know, I wanted to go butt heads with Bill Horn. I wanted to go show against Bob Loomis. I wanted to go do that. You know, that's, that's where I wanted to be. So at that time, there was one 
and only like the last two years I was there, there was one NRHA reigning in the state of California and mm. one in Arizona. Mm. So, I mean, just to tell you how different times are, okay? And, um, but there was reinings to go to, or what we called rain. I mean, you know, but it was either quarter horse, it was some open shows, it was whatever. But there was, there was no NRHA in California. I mean, Lynn Sure at Westland Farms, who Danny and Penny Girardi worked for, did as much as anybody at time um, to bring it out there. She was really trying to promote it out there. This is again the mid middle 80s, you know? And then, and then, and really, I'm trying to remember her name, and I can't. There was a show manager out there, really nice lady, that was put on put on the first NRHA. The first rain and I ever went to pure raining was on Santa Anita racetrack, mm. and it was it was cool. You want to talk about? Hey, I tell you what, the ground at Santa Anita racetrack's damn good. I mean, as far as to go run and stop one. And I mean, it was it was great. And then they had one other deal there, but anyway, to kind of bring this back down to where we're going, is if I was going to be in the middle of it by that time, well, my my brother Tom had lived back here for quite a while. Okay, he had a place in Pilot Point, and so I had by that time in '85 maybe, I started coming east in the fall. And I would come east, the Texas Classic that you mentioned, the Texas Classic used to be in September. Oh, really? And I'd come to Texas, and in fact, the first time I went to Texas Classic, it was in Dallas, next to the Cotton Bowl. Huh. And anyway, we'd go there, and then I was supposed to, the first time I ever come by east, I come east in a 1975 GMC pickup truck and a 20-foot stock trailer, one center gate. And I hauled and I cross-tied them suckers in there, and away I came. And I stopped at, they had a NRHA, a bronze trophy running at the New Mexico State Fair in Albuquerque. And I stopped in Albuquerque at the New Mexico State Fair and won my first bronze. I was first and second in the open mm. running in there. Then come, to te- then come to Texas and went to the Texas Classic. Won the open running at the Texas Classic. Won I had a bunch of others, some other stuff there. I mean, high in the, they didn't have a, I don't know if they had a fraternity then there or not, but they had a derb, maturity, they called it a derby, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Anyway, got along there. And so then, and I was supposed to like go to the New Mexico State Fair and the Texas Classic and go home. And I won't go home. <laughs> I won't you go gotta home. respect a heater. I want to go to Congress, you know. So my brother Tom, called my parents and lobbied for me. <laughs> and I stand with him, and my horse is over in his mare barn, and that's a completely different story. Because Tom, I mean, at that time, too, Tom was like everything was perfect. I mean, his parking lot was perfectly edged. I mean, his driveway was perfectly edged. Everything was perfect on his place. Shrubs everywhere brands made out of flowers i mean <laughs> and then i hit and i turned that place into a damn ranch in a hurry now <laughs> so anyway i'm over there i'm over there sure his, Terry was impressed in his mare barn well actually i think she did kind of enjoy it a little bit because you know it was it was putting a little reality into tom you know <laughs> he comes over there and says like good you know off the subject so their mare barn okay they had 
he didn't have an indoor arena. But you know, back then, not ever. Most people did not have an indoor arena. I mean, I'm talking highly successful horse trainers, even in this area, whatever. So. No, I had one in California where they had eight inches of rain a year. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Well, anyway, his mare barn there, he had uh, stalls. These stalls were like back to back down the middle, okay? And then it was almost like a shed row thing, but it was under one roof. Did you walk around the outside, okay? Well, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm seeing a slide track. I'm seeing a, <laughs> I'm seeing a covered slide track. So they got these roll-up doors where you'd go into his breeding lab and all this and everything. And then he's hearing all this ruckus. I guess he says, but he said he heard all this ruckus, everything else going on. Well, he comes over there. Well, I'm fencing one into his, into his roll-up door. <laughs> I thought he was going to have a coronary. I mean, that's a different deal. But uh, that, that, I can go on about that another time. But anyway, <laughs> where are we going to end with that? What? Why are we even, you talk about you guys? Yeah, I'm the problem here now. <laughs> but anyway, I went there. I didn't want to go home. So he called, lobbied, and I want enough money that I stuck around because I was going to maybe come back for the world show. I had a couple qualified for the world show. So I went to the Congress, and I don't know. I, I won something at the Congress, too. I don't know. Maybe the novice horse ran in. Um, was sitting really good. I, I had a very – I went off pattern three times at the Congress to win big things. Oh. Same year? Same year. <laughs> First Ow. year. First year. I think that didn't get in your head. Yeah. All spinning. <sighs> See, you should have spent more time in school. You don't know how to count before. <laughs> we only had to go three then. <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, was a problem. There, there was a problem. No. I mean, I went off pattern. Who knows? Because I went off pattern in the go round. But of the, the, like the open rain in there, that, at that time, there was a go round in the finals. And uh, not the charity, the regular NRHA Open. And um, I had a horse named Cody's Clone. And he literally could slide on top of his tail 50 feet. I mean, he was amazing. Now, I mean, position and everything was maybe not, not as terrible as now. Ash. But, you know, back then, I mean, I'd gotten more refined by then. But when I first started, I, my stopping program consisted of are we getting stopped? No. Pull. Are we not sliding far enough? Okay, we need to go faster. Simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. That. So, yeah. So, anyway, I go off pattern on him in the go round of the open right in to be first or second. Go off pattern on him again to win the senior reign in, like, by as far as you can throw a rock. Go off pattern to be first or second in the limited open fraternity. My first fraternity there in the finals. And yeah, you talk about getting your head. Mm. And but you know what I'd do is I'd look down and I'd get to worrying about my horse. And I'd look up. And Where I'd am I? and I'd been around or maybe not or whatever, you know. But anyway, so that's what first that's where I ended up there. Then I went to the world show, then I went home. Next year I think it is is when the rain of charity moves to Oklahoma City. So mm. I still ended up going but by that time it'd been pretty established I could come stay in the fall. So I'd come back here, I'd leave California at the end of August, and I'd come back second week of December every year till about, well, when I say every year, what, about three or four years there? And then in 88, you know, and like I said, all of this time, when I first started, there was no NRHA in California. Now there's one show, you know. 
and I wanted to go do, I wanted to go show against those guys regularly, and I wanted to be able to raise horses. And I didn't see that happening in Southern California, where I could have a place, raise horses, have grass, da 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 da. You know, again, not a not a great decision, but that's what we kind of thought down that time. You know, I wanted to stud, I wanted to raise colts, I wanted to do all that stuff, you know. So I moved to my brother's place in 88. I mean, like left California that, that August, I left for good. And I stayed at his place until middle January when he finally kicked me out because he had, he owned Hot Rodder Jet Set there and he had mares coming in. And I leased a place from this crazy woman in Burleson. And I lasted nine months there and thought that was a failure, but I found out I had the record by four after I left. <laughs> <laughs> leased a place out here on 51 between Gainesville and Decatur. And uh, it was, uh, and I was there five years. Built the last like a year, two years before I left there, bought the place we're at now. Is that place on 51 still there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's at Richard Johnson. Oh, I was just going to wonder. Right there by the racetrack. Yep. Yep. That was I it. Just drove by a few hours ago. Yeah. I was there five years. No kidding. And then, uh, and I mean, the ground that there's terrible, black land rocks. I mean, you know, which again was not good because. You know, and I wasn't, sm again, that's, that's where you get your priorities a little screwed up. My priority was I wanted a place big enough, it was 1,200 acres, and I wanted a place big enough that I could raise all these horses and do all this stuff and all that. Well, I had all that, but I missed the fact that, you know, I might need good ground to train them on. <laughs> that gumbo. Yeah, gumbo, gumbo stuff, you know. So anyway, we stayed there, but then I didn't have, we bought the place we're at now, but I didn't have any money to build a barn after I got, got that or, you know, anything like that. So stayed at the lease place for probably another year and a half, built a barn, moved, built a barn and, and got a double wide that I was only going to be in for a little while. Well, that, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and then so we'd start team and then I had a round pin, I mean, a colt breaking pin, you know. And there was the coat breaking pan and the wide open. And no arena, no nothing. And a stall barn. Yeah. Dug up, I mean, you know, we How had many food, stalls? 32. Oh, wow. Healthy. Yeah. And then we built, yeah, I shouldn't have ever built that big, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> when you're raising that many or doing whatever, you know, you got to have that. And then built, you know, then built a, Cheryl had, was running a lot of barrel horses then, and I had. We had so the when did you wheel. meet Cheryl? One wife, you're a one wife. One deal. wife, yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, I have a reject Rainer, Robbie Schroeder, and JD Yates. Is how that happened. <laughs> That's quite an intro, huh? <laughs> Sounds like horror movies start like that. <laughs> horror movies are porn. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, well, well, I had this horse named Cody's Corvette. He, he, 
He wasn't worth three rotten eggs. I did not see him on your Equistot. No, I didn't see him there. That was the one. See, and that's the thing is, too, is I've showed a lot of average son of a guns over the course of my life, you know? And I mean, it's like, well, you got to have a positive mental attitude when you show these horses. <laughs> well, yeah. When I'm positive, I'm on a burrow. <laughs> okay? This is, you know, just, just skip through this, you know? <laughs> Well, anyway, actually, I pulled, I had Cody's Corvette entered its Congress. He might have been entered at the Rain of Dirty, too. I don't know, but because maybe he hadn't moved by then. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's entered at the Congress. And I mean, this is mid September. And I have been trying to get this horse to stop <laughs> his entire three year old year. And it dawns on me. Highly for the Congress in two weeks. This might not happen. <laughs> because at that time, I had convinced myself that I was going to be able to make this work. I could make this happen. So anyway, and he's terrible, you know? It's one of them so, times you're like, I think I may have overestimated my showmanship ability. Yeah. You know, and I had a lot of estimation within myself at that time. I didn't really have a confidence problem at that point, you know? So anyway, so I call Robbie Schroeder on the phone or, you know, and I mean, I'd see him all the time because him and Tom and Kerry were big buddies, you know? And I says, get what, what you want this sucker? I mean, he, and he wasn't a bad horse other than that. He's big, he's pretty. I mean, and he was good to lope around. He was safe, you know, everything else. So. I say, I said, what do you give me for? I don't know. And he offered me, I can't remember whether he offered me, whether it was 1500 or 1200. Either way, he owned him. <laughs> okay. Careful what you offer. Yeah. So I sent him up there. So anyway, about this time, there's this girl in Colorado that is known JD for, I mean, ever, you know. That, that barrel races. And she'd been telling JD that if she finds him something that make a barrel horse, she's looking for some for a colt or two, you know, to go to go barrel race on. Well, JD's down at Robbie's and sees this horse. And they're riding him around, starting rope on him. He's all right. Oh, cool so he, th he thinks he'll work for this barrel racer. So JD takes him to Colorado and sells him to this barrel racer. Well, I don't know any of this, you know, which you're out. I'm out. Well, I ain't been paid yet. There's, we're getting back oh, to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Cash. And I, I liked him so, and I liked him so much. You didn't care. Well, I cared, but not enough to hold him. <laughs> so away he goes. So fast forward, this is in September. Now this barrel racer has moved to Arizona and she ain't never got no papers on this horse and she's pissed. <laughs> I ain't never been paid. So you're but not you giving don't have up the horse, no horse, so it's okay. I, yeah, you're not giving up share. You're not giving no papers up. So damn right, I did hold the papers on it. Right, right. Okay. So, and I don't know, she paid JD. Now, whether JD didn't pay Robbie, who didn't pay me, or JD didn't pay Robbie, and Robbie didn't pay me, don't I don't matter. know. And nobody was trying to jerk anybody around. It was just, 
you know, nobody thought that much of him, you know, whatever. But anyway, but so the barrel racer, the barrel racer my God, wanted her papers because <laughs> you, whatever, I mean, I don't know if she gave 1500 for him at that point, that's a lot of, I mean, that was, that was serious money, but she's, so anyway, so she goes and a guy that I knew, they're working at a Western store in Scottsdale at the same Western store. And a guy I knew said, you know, I'll tell you what. And she said, what is this horse? Oh, some Rainer had him that da 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 da. And she, he says, I think I know where that horse might've come from. And she said, he says, uh, I, think, I think Robert Chown might've had the horse. She goes, well, who the hell is he? You Never know? heard of her. Yeah, you know, I said, <laughs> I said, what, what, he's pretty good. He said, what, does he rope or what is, I mean, what is he? Oh, no, he's a Rainer. A Rainer. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, as we're migrating west, I, as chance would have it, am at Westworld. Not long after it opened, I think, I don't know when it opened, but it was pretty early right there, for one of those Arizona shows. I don't know if it was a Sun Circuit or one of that March show or whatever. I mean, I'm talking several months have gone by. Oh, so I heard part of this story the other day. Yeah. Okay. So she goes, so anyway, he says, he's at a horse show, at a horse show over here. Let's go load him up, take him over there and see. She says, okay. Well, and she's I don't know. still a little contentious about this. Well, yes, and then she wasn't the thinking. Horse. I wonder if this reigning horse trainer is good looking. And, and, and it, well, no. yeah, but but also on the ten miles from where she lived to that showgrounds, she had two flat tires, and that stupid oh. Corvette ate her good barrel horse. <laughs> so she was not. I don't think she was just in a real joyful mood when she hit okay so she goes they come at, and this guy i knew i didn't know who the girl was i thought i might like know who she is but you know <laughs> but anyway i said hey man how you doing da, 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 da. so he says well i think she got a horse that you know you need to look at and i said okay well i mean i'm going up there saying i gotta show this horse so i go show a horse and um Anyway, I come back, and I come out, and I go, Cody's Corvette. I said, that's old Corvette. She said, do you know this horse? I said, yeah. She says, where's my papers? <laughs> said, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> well, to uh, make a long story short, you know, so we go, we get to talk and everything else, and she's, I don't know, supposed to have a date with some bulldogger that night, but we we get rid of him. <laughs> I mean, so we go to we go to dinner and make that, a deal that, on the papers. That, that was our first date, and da 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 da. And well, to make a long story short, a week later, I still hadn't been paid, but that girl had her papers. <laughs> <laughs> so then, a while about a month later, about a month later, I'm calling Joan Schroeder, and I said, "You know," I, I, she says, I, I, "I got you a check." I said, "Okay." She says. I'm assuming that girl got her papers. I said, yes, she did. Because <laughs> she knew the story by now. And then, you know, the thing is, that was great as far as getting Cheryl out of the deal, but I got Corvette back. Oh! <laughs> sucker. But anyway. How nope. old are you then? I don't know. Heck, we've what, been 88? married. Is that what we said, 88? That's when that happened, Westworld? That was 88, yeah. So 22? Yeah. 
No, not when I probably hadn't turned 22 yet. But anyway, yeah. And then we got married in 89. And here we are. Thank God for Cody's Corvette. Yeah, no you, never, you never know when that the moments are. <laughs> so, you know, take a long way around the barn. That's how Cheryl and I met. So, anyway, and then, you know, she was running barrel horses and trained a lot of barrel horses. We raised some good barrel horses. She trained some real good barrel horses, and we'd sell a barrel horses every now and then. And, you know, and then Riley, of course, grew up riding cow horses and barrel horses. And What year was Riley born? Oh, shoot. I should have prepared for this test. 95? Does that sound right? I think so. 95, I think. She's that old. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem like Riley ought to be that old. Yeah, I still think of Riley as the 13-year-old girl showing yeah. Ardmore. No. No. Wow. One yeah. kid. One kid. She's engaged now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gets married in, in uh, September. you got to tell that story. Which one? The engagement story. Oh, boy. Well, heck, we've gone down this road. What? Which part of that? All of it. I'm trying to remember. I'm just, trying to refresh my memory. Out. Well, yeah, just when he was asking asking for your permission and what have you. What? When I told him it was about friggin' time or something? <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think I said friggin'. How long have they been dating? I don't know. I mean, Moby Dick wasn't a minnow, but he was a small fish. <laughs> no, I mean, he was, uh, I don't know. Maybe How many three, four have, years? How many kids have they had? What, 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 uh, to my knowledge, we got that in the right order. <laughs> no, but they, he's a good guy, and... Uh, and uh, she's, uh, of course, I mean, I, I adore her. You know, I'd like her to show cow horses again, but she's pretty busy with, I mean, obviously with her job and, and with her, and she's running barrels still, um, you know, so goes to some rodeos. Doesn't have time to go a lot, but goes to some rodeos, still runs barrels. And, well, I was anyway. talking about when he asked, he was going to ask her at Christmas. And like in front oh, of the whole oh, family. Oh, when I jacked with him. Yes. Oh, Told him I didn't know if I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me, he says, "Well, you want to know if, if what? No, I think it started off with what are you doing tomorrow or the next day or something." I said, "Well, I was planning on sitting around here." He goes, "Well, can y'all come to Weatherford or something?" I said, "I, I, I want to ask." This is after he talked to me about it and everything. And I said, uh, "He says, well, I want to ask her to uh, to to marry me, but I, I want to do it in front of the whole family. And I wouldn't just want, you know, my, obviously just my side there and whatever else. And I said, no, well, bub, I don't know. I says, what? I said, I don't know if I do that. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? I said, have you thought about how you will feel with the rejection of that? If she says no, <laughs> in front of and everybody. you've got all of your family there. Wouldn't it be easier just alone? What are you going to do if she doesn't like, if she says, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> he said, I'd never thought about that. <laughs> I said, something you should plan on is you should maybe think about a little bit. There's some risk. Yeah. I mean, don't just, you know, don't just assume that this is going to go exactly how you've drawn it up on the board. Okay. 
Because I've been talking to her and she's got some <laughs> yeah. doubts. I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's, there's going to be a few things they're going to have to make sure they're straightened out here. <laughs> They oh. did anyway, huh? No, not in front oh, of the family. <laughs> He's not a stupid boy. <laughs> Saved you a trip to Weatherford. Damn right. <laughs> also, you can sit at home. Yeah, I don't want to go to Weatherford. <laughs> it's Christmas. I want to sit here and watch football on my TV. My underwear. She gonna kill oh, me. Oh my god. <laughs> She gonna kill me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I remember having to, I remember having a talk with some of my assistants at one point when she was pre-engagement and she was kind of hanging around and yeah, I was like, I will kill both of you <laughs> if anything happens to that girl. I promise you, 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 I know, I don't care whose fault. I'm coming to see you too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I figured that out. And this is, this is, you know, just life lessons just for anybody that's interested. You know, if you talk slowly and express extreme violence at junior rodeos, starting when they're about eight, word will get around, you know, and it becomes a lot easier when they become about 10 years later, you know? Yeah. You've already got the, you've already got the bluff on them. You gotta put it in there That's early. right. You can't just do it right last minute That's and expect right. them to absorb That's it. That's right, you hey, know? I've already been working. I mean, my, <laughs> my daughter's a year old. Yeah. I've already been working, so we'll be team roping. Yeah. And some of my friends have boys that are between the ages of all, eight and all 12. All of your friends. Well, yeah, no, no, not those. Those weren't there. But these are <laughs> between the Rebus children and, uh, little Boyd Wilson and I'm like, I don't know and we had these potentials and we're team roping and they turn around in the shoot well when they jump up you know they turn around they jump up on the head of that next one well they don't weigh anything and I step up on the shoot and I mean and there's these three boys standing there like oh what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and I just grab these things by the horns and sling them and like airmail these cows back the other way and I just get a real mean look. Like, look back at them boys. And they're like, holy crap. Did you see what he just did to that cow? And I was like, see, I'm working. I'm starting now. Yeah. Just to build a little urban legend. Yeah. I mean, I want some urban legend. By the time, by the time mine's 13, 14, I want to make sure that there's somebody scared somewhere. With her bloodlines, you need it. Uh, amen. <laughs> amen. She's got a terrible topside. That's funny. Your past haunts you. Yes. So I'm trying to lean on as much expertise as I can from yeah. those that precede me, no, like, such as our early. esteemed guests. You start here. early. I yeah. mean, you know, you just treat them like little stinking highbrow cat yearling studs, <laughs> you know, when they're little. And you just, if you got to, take Twitch handle, the rib cage, do whatever you got to do, you know, and just. Make an impression. And then, yeah. And then tell them, you know, whatever. And that, but they will, if you start young like that, you know, and if they think you're just about three quarters crazy, it really, it comes into beneficial later. That's what the hair's for. Okay. That's his hair. Deal. I've explained that. I've explained some of this plan to my wife and she's like, you really think that's going to work? I'm like, yep. I well, sure she do. doesn't. I don't think she realizes the level of violence and crazy we're expressing no, I Here. don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. She's always I mean, not that we're going to go beat up on any children. Don't no. anybody get the wrong idea. Whatever. No. But, 
<laughs> but but well, if someone ends up on a dead pile. All she's thinking is it didn't work for her dad. <laughs> Yeah, but it took, all you're doing, it took a while. All you, yeah, I know. It took a while. I know, but all you're doing is making it to a nice boy's afraid and a Chris Dawson's not. Well, yeah, but you, I mean, come on, just, I got to step up just, a little bit. You're, you're I'm just much. pushing them to a different level <laughs> oh of God. person. Hey, you're just hey, someone hey. that's not afraid of the insanity. That's we we really want to see how much want. try they got. I, you're pushing them away from Ben to Chris. That's terrible Pre-Sarah. Pre-Sarah. See, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, ben here, he going back, he said, for, for those of you who are not able to witness what we are discussing here, I am straight across the table from Ben. Russell is to my right. Chris is to my left. Using some broadcasting analogy here. And Ben, if you have ever watched the U.S. Open or Wimbledon, at during this conversation, Ben's head is snapping back and forth. <laughs> He's got to tape his ear, ear, his headset on. Well, his beard, his beard keeps scraping on the table. Yeah. And I think he's also thinking, thank God I'm too young for that one and too old for that one. Because <laughs> these dudes. He's just the right age for Colt, though. Now Ben's turning red. <laughs> Thank God he doesn't have a mic. <laughs> yeah. Defenseless. Is this, is this the part of the show where it goes to farmers only? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. There's always a farmers this only. This is where you reach is the, the farmers only this is where you reach the, the canyon. And you just, you don't know if you take... <laughs> <laughs> and that's my bit impersonation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just think if you'd have been smooth, we would have nothing to talk about in your interview, Ben. Yeah. Uh, that was epic. Hey, Chris, what are you going to do when you're on that real long trip and you're starting to doze off? You need to stay awake. You're trying to get to the stakes or the derby or somewhere way far out on the west. I'm fixing to turn around and go to Arizona, and I'm going to carry me some of these sour boys with me because they are a very unique and invigorating flavor. (laughs) And they will wake up your taste buds and send you on down the road. And they got that. It's a long tape, so if you're... Like, not awake yet just keep eating that's just it. keep going yeah they got i mean they got like some ed hardy slash salvador dali-esque kind of artwork going on <laughs> and uh yeah no this guy he's got a youtube channel and it's called oompaville you can check out some of those also but uh he made his own Over, sour candy i know and millions of viewers of youtube Right. And now he's got a candy. He's the only one the family got out of the horse business. Dad's a farrier. Mom's a trainer slash instructor. Sister rodeoed in vet tech. This guy is a internet superstar, YouTube superstar. And now he's got a candy business. Hey, the thing about Crazy. these things, the cool thing is you don't even have to go down to the gas station to get these. You go on sour.gg slash cowhorse and just order them up. He will ship them straight to your house. That's how I tried them the first time. Yeah, if you run out of them on the way to the show, ship them there ship and them have there. them on the way back. You're darn right. <laughs> ship, hand them out. 
My kids love them. It's a company based right here in Texas. Family owned and operated. My wife loves them also. The only sour strip on the market with no artificial colors or flavors. All the ingredients printed right there on the bag. Pow. And it's packaged up. They're off-brand in Stephenville, Texas. Now I can read it while I have my glasses. Yeah, yeah with you know. My, with my new uh, bifocals. Your, your new bifocals. I get rid of. They're going to killed. <laughs> Don't go down the fence your bifocals anymore, Russell, for crying out loud. Well, no better than I'm doing. It can't hurt. <laughs> All right, well, that was an excellent pack of Sour Boys we just enjoyed. <laughs> Superb. Pucker uh, up and move on. Get a little refill on this habanero <laughs> and back. We're good to go. Yeah. And, and I'm Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday, back with Robert Chown. And we have orchestrated by Ben Self. Orchestrated by Ben Self. Yeah, we're two hours in, and we've so far, Robert is 21 years old. <laughs> We just got married, and, so and we haven't covered. I get, yeah, we haven't covered his, a lot of that part. So. Eighth of his age. <laughs> so good news is that you people are probably on your way to Arizona right now, and you got plenty of road in front of you. So just settle in and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Did you ever get busted up when you were young riding the sail horses? Not so much. I was, you know, I'll tell you what. Look, I was pretty agile. Um. But no, you know, going back around to talking the way out of it. And, and I mean, and, and in fairness, I mean, you know, I, I did ride some bad ones and stuff like that. But for the most, I mean, my dad would have not put me on something he knew was going to kill me. Yeah, he'd already had a shot at your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And the problem was, knew what see, work. In, in, it's different. I had it worse than they did in ways. They had it worse than I did in ways. But, and, and I think in that way, they probably had it worse because there's three of them. So, you know, you could always pull another one off the bench. And they were all pretty yeah, close. Get that, drag yeah. that one out. I was the only one. <laughs> yeah. So he, he kind of had to protect his investment a little more by the time it come to me. Had to keep the golden goose <laughs> yeah. under some bubble wrap. Yeah, had to keep, you know, had, had to keep, had to keep the, the jockey there going, you know. But it, uh, nah, not, not too bad. I mean, Is you your know, dad still alive? No, he's not. He passed about five years ago. How old was he? 88, I think, when oh, he passed. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, he 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 told me to talk about things, you know, like but it, when I told you about the bareback stuff, yeah, you know, he didn't know he had this mare that one time that actually she was crazy, but she uh, she actually Jim Vaughn showed I don't know if you ever heard of Jim I Vaughn, heard of him showed her like in the green bile classes and stuff like that in California, she's really hot, really whatever. But anyway, he throws me on her one time bareback in a stall. And I mean, she just tightened up and went to spinning. Okay. Spun, 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 spun. Well, finally, you know that feeling when you're getting sliding up the neck uh-huh. <laughs> all the time? Well, she finally got me up there and then launched me butt first into the feeder. <laughs> so I am like, my butt there is in sit. the feeder. My hands and my feet are coming out of the feeder. <laughs> She's spinning around, and he's got these people looking at her. So he jumps out of the stall. I mean, he wanted to get run over by this spinning thing, slams the door while I'm still in the feeder, looks at these people and says, well, I guess she's never been rode bareback. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and saddle her up. I'm sure they want to see her road. (laughs) Get out of there, kid. Get out of the feeder. Hey, how lucky is it to be in the feeder and not in the middle of that <laughs> exactly. They're still spitting. Yeah, she threw me out there far enough. But anyway, that's just, you know, kind of a funny thing. But no, not too bad. Not too bad. 
not near as bad as the bulls and the bucking horses, you know. Later on, huh? Yeah. 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 And like I said, I didn't get hurt often. I just kept, when I did, I, I got hurt, you know. And, uh, and I started, you know, what, what put me to more domesticated horses was like, you know, I mean, I went through a port in my life, like when I was 15 or something, like I could be standing there and I just black out and hit the ground. Yeah, I'll make you yeah. shudder. I mean, like just, just like standing in the kitchen or something, you know, and just everything go black, nothing works, hit the ground. That'd suck if you were driving. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe let me do that then. <laughs> Keep me on the farm. <laughs> no. no, but anyway, but that's when I decided. So I you're make- kind of an old man by the time... You get married to Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd had a few years to kind yeah, of right there, you know? Yeah, worldly. Yeah. Worldly. I mean, you already been through it all. So you guys get married, move home, training. Yeah. She's still barrel racing. Yep. Yep. And you're training almost exclusively rain horses. Rainers. Rainers. And then, and I mean, you know, and then selling what we're raising. Yeah. You know? And then uh, it wasn't much for cow horse shows in Texas at that time. No, which we we get to that later. But what we, what we did is is you know I had like I would mentioned them Chub Cody horses earlier, and then we had a he he was an older horse even when I first started uh, showing his colts. He was probably twenty when I started showing his colts, and so I showed him for a few years there. Anyway, he he died, and had a son of his by the name of Cody's clone. And Cody's clone was an absolutely unbelievable athlete. Could stop and turn. I mean, just freak. He was a freak. But he was like riding a rat on acid. I mean, he was just <laughs> goofy son of a gun. And so anyway, and I mean, different style then, higher necked. And, you That's know, how they, like, people have used that uh, descriptor for Russell in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that then... We, uh, I was riding colts by him, and they weren't the same, you know. I mean, they were a little lighter framed horses, and they were much hotter. And that was about right about the time the raining was starting to change. Boomernick hadn't showed up yet, but kind of that. I mean, the you know the Hollywood Jacks and all that was in there. You know, he was more. Those horses before were more in line with like the. You think of the higher-headed reining horses of the 70s and the 80s and stuff like that, you know. So I come back. So then, actually, my dad ends up buying Double R Doc from Ronnie Richards. We had him for a long time. And Double R Doc was a really, really nice horse. But if Cody's clone was the rat on acid, Double R Doc was the hamster on the wheel next to him. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was a little gusto-y as well. And then we crossed him. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Hot on hot. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and they were just both real. And I mean, and some of them were were dang good. I mean, I'm not, you know, saying uh, they were. But they were, um, they weren't the way that the industry was going. And it was working for a while, you know, but they were going to quieter horses, you know, how they circled and how this and that was making more it didn't matter just just that they could stop and turn around you know it wasn't um, enough and and you know and they were they were a little they just weren't they didn't lock in very well i mean you know they really looked back at you circling and were new real noodly and just anyway 
So that I, I'm selling those Colts too and everything else, but, but that's another thing too. And I felt like at that time of my life, which was a mistake, but that I had to ride what I raised. And I believed that if I wasn't riding it, if I wasn't showing it, why should anybody else? Which is an understandable thought. But, you know, I mean, I could have gone and got a Hollywood done it or something else too, you know. And which I should have done career wise, horse trainer wise, whatever. Because if there's one thing, you know, we get to thinking, um, you know, we're only as good as what we're riding. You know, and we get to thinking, especially when we're young and we've won a fair amount and done this. Well, it's me. I mean, I can trade those things. I can do that. I can do that, you know. But then, you know, and that was so I had a bunch of horses that were not fitting the way the industry was going. And I was still showing them and trying to do this and that. So I wasn't winning as much um i mean i'm well into my 20s now i mean i'm, I'm, I'm old now i mean you know I'm <laughs> they started when you're three yeah exactly so. well actually i did i showed my first horse at three see yeah um got a picture you know <laughs> prove it but anyway but that and that's the thing is too and like when i said earlier that you know i'd burned out by the time i was 30. yeah okay well you have all this success and then you don't and when you realize that it's not you, <laughs> you know, but then you don't know. But going back to what I said too, where I was never an assistant trainer, I never had that group, I never had whatever. I didn't have that, well, like I've heard Chris talk about a peer group. I didn't have that peer group to go bounce things off of. And that's where that was bad. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, boo-hoo for you. You know, you didn't have, you weren't, a, didn't have to go be an assistant trainer, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, just, just throwing different things out there because I have a different experience that if somebody that hears or whatever needs to think about that, that you need to develop those people. Because the people, now that's not to say that people didn't help me a lot and try to help me. But I always had an ability to watch somebody do something, figure out what they were doing, because I was always able to figure out, I mean, just I had a God-given gift to watch somebody ride, and I could figure out the mechanics of what they were doing, watch the horse and figure out the mechanics of what that horse was doing and what that guy was trying to make that horse do. You know, whether it was Bill Horn, Bob Loomis, Tim McQuay, Pick a name, doesn't matter. You know, back in the old days, Ronnie Richards, you know, Bobby Ingersoll, whatever, you know. And and it got better as I got as I got more education. But, you know, okay, why does that horse turn around? You know, where's the footfall of the inside front leg and the turnaround on that horse? And how does that affect it by the rib cage and the da-da-da-da-da, whatever. But I was always into that and could figure that out. So I didn't really have, I didn't really ride with a lot of people you if that makes sense you didn't lean on them as much. yes now bob loomis i went I, I developed a relationship with bob loomis like when i was 16 or 17 i had a guy gonna buy me a rain horse so i looked in the rainer magazine which i had gotten my second rainer magazine so i knew all about <laughs> rating and i mean you know i heard bob loomis or whatever so i called bob loomis on the phone and i go 
to Bob Loomis's in B, Nebraska. And I go there and, you know, I, I fly in there. I met Doug Milhong in there at the airport. And I mean, he, his truck and trailer is parked out. I mean, you know, the greater where we flew into there in Nebraska. The, oh, the Grand Island. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the greater airport hair care and tire center, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Um, when I used to fly out of there, I'd stop at Taco Casa and Taco John's and get some tacos and take my big drink. And we'd just walk out there and get on the airplane. Yeah. No, you go, whatever. Yeah. So I got there. So we stop and, you know, I meet Mill Hall in there in the restaurant. Bob comes over there. Anyway, Bob gives me a ride bump. And I mean, you know, he's out there a ways. And we, I'd never been on a gravel road. I didn't know they existed. I thought that was a driveway, you know. And then the gravel turned to dirt. And we keep going until we find, <laughs> I'm looking around here. Like, where's the damn bar? And we go another five miles, you know. But anyway, I go to there, and I'd met Bob, and I just really admired Bob, and, and I really, Bob Loomis is a very, was a very special, still is, I, I don't talk to him near enough, I need to, um, just, he was a guy that took me under his wing when I first started showing in the NRHA, and he helped me, and he was very good to me, and all of that, but Bob is you know, 20 some years older than I am. So you don't actually, right. You know, and, no and, level and he's not going to go, Hey, dumb kid, you need to get some better horses. You need to sell all that stuff. And I mean, you know, that's not, it wasn't that kind of a deal. And you don't, and sometimes, you know, you, you gotta be different relationship, you know? So I didn't have that. So that's when too, you know, then I wasn't very, the raining wasn't, you know how it is, like when you ain't winning, it ain't fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying when I said ain't winning, I mean, I'd make a finals and do this and do that, but you know, you know, it's different when, I mean, you know how it is. When, when somebody, I mean, both of you guys know, you know the difference when they look at you with that look in their eye, like they know you can beat them and when they look at you with that look in their eye, like they know they can beat they you. They can beat you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen that both sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, anyway, I, I, was, I wasn't getting that look <laughs> anymore. And how the cow horse kind of started for me was... I had some horses there. I had some of them double R docks and some of the others. Honestly, I felt like I needed to do something else, you know? And I needed to, um, because of, I felt like I was just, I don't know if it was the burnout or in the rut or whatever, but I needed to go kind of reinvent myself, you know? And so I started uh, you know, I'd showed cow horses in youth and then didn't show them for a long time. And so this is, we're fast forwarded now to about probably 99, you know, started showing there and, or started, had a, I mean, and the cow horses I had, I owned. I started with one, you know, I went down to Smith Brothers down there in Denton when they were still a big deal, rented me five roping steers and that was my cattle you know, that you rent them by the month, you know? And that's what I started with, was five roping stairs, but you know, to work by one horse. 
So anyway, I mean, it had lots of horses there, but one that was cowers. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so we get to going along, and then I realize there ain't nowhere to show them. So I'm thinking, well, we need to build a deal around here. So there was the, like, Southwest Rain Cowers Association, or there was the Oklahoma one, and there was some other stuff. So I kind of got involved in that back then. And, like, the first fraternity we had at the Southwest deal, I didn't show in because I was announcing, dragging the arena, and helping with the cows when I wasn't doing that. The second one I won. <laughs> the, um, but we, so we did that, and then we had weekend shows. You know, there was no weekend cow horse shows. So then, well, we're, nobody had any money. So I was thinking to myself, well, what, what are we gonna do with that? So I went and I can't remember if I was president then or not. I think I was president of that thing for a while. And, um, but we did a trainer's auction and I got out bunch of trainers. And what they had to do is they had to donate a month of training and we were gonna sell it for 500 bucks, okay? And I told every one of them. And I remember walking up to Steve Metcalf and I said, sell it to one of your customers. Well, I don't want to do that. That's taking out of my whatever. I said, Steve, I go to a lot of barrel races. You sell it to one of your customers, or I'm going to find the craziest freaking barrel horse I can find, <laughs> and I'm going to sell your month for $500. <laughs> so anyway, so we had a trainer's auction. But after my persuasion to this group of individuals, <laughs> they all ended up selling quickly. Okay. <laughs> to their current customers. To their current customers. I didn't care. I needed 500 bucks, you know? So the bottom line of the situation, the deal was, is that was the added money for our first year of cow horse shows in the SRCHA. What Ooh. is now the SRCHA. We did the same thing the next year. And then a lot of people came in and did, you know, you got Nina Stewart, and I mean, after that, and then, I mean, and going back to what I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, um, uh, Marilyn Peters was, you know, back getting it started back then, and Carl uh, McQuiston McQuiston and Karen were huge in that deal, you know, and then when, um, then a few years after that, when Nina got involved, you know, and then Cal Power came in, and that, that was really like the first big sponsor, you know, when Larry, when Larry Bell come in. And then he really took it upon himself to help that club and to really, then it just blew up from there. So, you know, I mean, there's a few of us that kind of pushed it in a way, and then a group of people that built it to, over the course of years, I mean, this is what, 20 some years later now, Mm. that to where it is today everyone do their whatever you know and it was hard for a while and then you know and um and i was at one time you know i mean i was president of that i was president of the southwest rain Horse association i was on the international raining council when they're trying to get raining in the olympics i was a board member for the nrha so by the time i was 30 i was boarded out 
I mean, I didn't want to hear That's about... That's easy to happen. I, you know, I was One like, more whining complaint about, hey, are you on the board? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, too, and it's a little different at those bigger association deals now, but, Dan, it was all out of our own pocket. Like, when I was an mm-hmm. RHA board member, I, f- I didn't have the money to, and I'd get on an airplane, and yeah. I'd fly to Columbus, Ohio, to go to a board meeting, motel, da-da-da-da-da, you know? And that was all out of pocket and stuff like that, which is whatever. But anyway, but that's where the, the, we built a, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have an industry, you gotta have a place to go show. Have to. You know, people don't want show horses that they can't show. What's the point? Exactly. So that's when the weekend shows come into effect. We had the fraternity with the derby. Actually, we ended up having uh, We uh, had a fraternity in Bembroke, Texas. Yep. That was probably early 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted Don Brown Hackamore there. Get you some of that, huh? That's what you'll remember, though. And I had a flatbed Dodge single cab with four-wheel drive. And you had drove a from and California to win a Don Brown Hackamore? No, I drove from well, California. Well, $642, too. To Idaho. Showed at Idaho and drove from Idaho to here. And I'm telling you, it's a long way from <laughs> Idaho to here. Yeah. I had four wheel drive and pulled everybody out of the parking lot because it rained so hard they couldn't get hooked up to the trailers and get out. And nobody had four wheel <laughs> yeah. drive back then. Nope. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that well. well I was there. It was something. Yeah. And Denver, we just had hard more and, you know, I mean, and, that, and we uh, were in Glenrose for a while, and then we were somewhere else, Waco. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you know, then finally to Fort Worth. But anyway, so that's what we did that. And then, and then gradually, my business started shifting from the raining to the cow horse. As far as it just kind of started, you know, it was all raining. And then it was all raining and two cow horses of mine, or one cow horse, then two cow horses. Then I thought like I was good enough to go take somebody's money to train one, and I might have got three. But anyway, no, and then, and then like I said, and the, the raining, you know, and I just wasn't any more feeling it, and I wasn't getting the horses. And you put those two things together. And when you compete at a high level, and I don't care whether it's, an equine deal, whatever. Badminton. Whatever. I mean, if you want to play at the highest end of whatever it is, you got to be all in. And if you're not, okay, but then don't expect don't to expect go win. Don't expect to be up there, right. You know, and if you don't want to do that, don't. You know, and then, you know, and that's another thing, too. I tell people, too, you know, when somebody will get, well, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da, you know. I said, you know, you, you got no right to be jealous of somebody if you won't do what they do to get what they got. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a, and I had to learn that lesson myself, you know, because everything's unfair, da-da-da-da-da. This is down another road, whatever. But what that usually means is I think it's unfair to me. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, is what that means. It does, when somebody says something's unfair, maybe one out of ten times, it's truly unfair. It's just most of the time means it's unfair to them. Right. Or me or whatever when I say it. But anyway, and, and, and so I kind of got out of the raining by 
I wasn't training many rainers by 06, 07, something like that, maybe one or two, you know. And then I decided to go train some raining horses again in 2013 and made the level four finals dirty. And so did that, showed them a couple times when I was four and I was done again. I mean, when they were four, the horses were four. And I'm like, okay, I'm out again. Then showed another one when I was at 18 and made the, showed him in Oklahoma City, I don't remember, made that like the baby buggy in the training wheels division and something else finals. <laughs> I don't remember all them levels. And maybe I might even been eligible for the elderly gents deal then. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I made a few finals then, and that was the last one I showed. That was the last reigning horse. That was the last reigning runner. The finals, the fraternity, and 18 is the last reigning horse I showed, you know. And I did that, and... I went off again, and I'd like to do it again. I like the sport of raining, you know. I was going to ask you guys, you know, because I know you've got, like, some raining issues sometimes on your podcast. I was asking you, you know, what what rainer or raining, like, scarred you? you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, it scarred me, but I know the one that I loved was I went and saw Bill Horn show a paint horse, and it was late in his career, mm-hmm. and I thought, holy mackerel. Yeah. That looks fun. Yeah. No. He run that horse so fast in the circles that it didn't look like he could go any faster and stay standing. Right. And then broke down to the small slow. And he he had a lead change problem, which I understand completely. <laughs> Other than that, he's going to go through the roof. And that was really late in his career. But I, that made me think. That, I can see the fun and raining yeah. there. No, he was amazing. You know, and it was, uh, but, it, but it was, it, I'd like to do it again, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. You know, I, about the only probably way I'd do it again is if I got with a good barn and was more like a catch rider or something like that. Or did I know, something it, like looks, that. it does look but like it, that. It's, because the, the, I have enough respect for what, people do at a high level Mm -hmm. i have enough respect for what someone for that's not just that sport but we're talking about that sport specifically but in general when people do at a high level and again i don't know five years things change however many years immensely immensely you know so if i was to go train a reigning fraternity horse or a reigning aged event horse if I couldn't have them at a high level, I mean, you know, I've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, what the heck do I need that for, you know? But, and I don't know that I would dedicate myself. I don't, well, I don't know that I want to. To dedicate myself, if that makes sense, I to, know, to completely I go did, mm-hmm. do it all myself. I daydream about going to the reigning fraternity off and on, mm-hmm. but I'm the same way. I don't, I don't think I can dedicate myself two years to try to get better than where I am, right. which is where I, I see that I think I would need to be. I see things when I go to the reigning, I'm thinking, man, I could, have, I could do those rollbacks right. better. Right. But you have to, you, you got to go do it like they're doing it. Your ADD allow you to reign. All right. I mean, because you are, you make me look centered. Okay. And I have too much ADD to reign. Okay. I, ju- I just do. Like, I did it. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. And to answer your question about what scarred me, I think I make the finals there on two head there in maybe 
2012. Mm -hmm. I had a custom chrome I make the level four finals on. And then I had Call Me Mr. Mr. Right. that I made the level you three, three finals, finals on. on yeah. And I showed that horse. I was first drawing the finals, and I went and showed him. And showing him was fun, but just the whole atmosphere yeah. of the horse show, it was the least amount of fun I'd ever had making an open <laughs> finals. Like, honestly, like, I mean, and yeah. I don't, I don't really, I, I don't take anything away because that's such a difficult event. It is mm. so hard. And them guys are incredible horsemen that do it. Mm -hmm. And it's outstanding. And we make fun of them because they don't wear their hat. But that's fine. <laughs> um, but. But they have nice hat cans. They do have excellent hat cans with glitter. And I mean, it's awesome. And a lot of medium t-shirts. Hey, at least they're not, at least they're not hanging their show shirts up until they go in. Well, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. I mean, I might be out sweating. Like, you don't want, I don't want to be all sweated out. I want to be pitted out the time I go in the show pen for crying out loud. But, but it's such a tough deal. But like I say, but at the end of it, I went, it didn't go as I planned, mm -hmm. but I've been, I've made the open finals at the cow horse enough times and had it not go as planned. Right. And we still had a blast. Right. Like, Hey, I ended up 22nd, and it was outstanding. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it was such a party. I mean, and and you just, that that to me is what used to be there in the reigning that, mm -hmm. that I didn't see. In my later years of reigning, I didn't see that. I didn't feel that. It didn't make me have to come back next year. Right. No, I get you. And, and I think the thing is, too, you know, I think, and with anything, what even the cutting i mean which is a cow event but it's it's different than the fence work is the great humbling equalizer in the equine world as far as i'm concerned because it is so um it, anything can happen and the cow comes out there, and he ain't read your resume, and he doesn't he care. He don't care. He don't care. He don't care if you're a million-dollar rider. He don't care what you're riding. He mm -hmm. don't care nothing, and you have got to put him through that pattern. And he will make a fool of you, and it doesn't matter whether you're whoever you are. No, it's irrelevant. And so and, what and he does will make it to I, where the judges can't save you. And I think he cannot I, save you. After the umpteenth time that happens, you will learn not to take yourself quite that seriously. <laughs> right. Well, that's the deal. And we have a Steve Metcalf yes. joined us. So, yeah, but I don't know. That's that's all the deal right there. You know, I mean. It's just when you make those finals at the Kelmore show, it's like, man, this one. Somebody asked me, I think it was my, our buddies over at Section K podcast. We were talking, like, hey, what about all the fist pump and everything that was going on at the Snaffle Bit finals, like for a 217, 216? I'm like, well, it's kind of like the PBR, mm -hmm. right? Like, if you ride your bull for eight seconds, you throw your hat in the air, yeah. right? If it was 79 points, great. If it was 92 points, even better. But you rode your bull on the biggest stage in one of the toughest situations, and you got through the pattern, whoop your hat off. I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to begrudge anybody that show of emotion just for the fact that you completed the task. 
It was set in front mm-hmm. of you right there that day. Well, and the thing is, too, is, you know, and I mean, we get into the 225s or the two whatevers or the this, that, you know, it is not easy on a three-year-old with the roof blowing off that place, that place, any other place, to put a cow through that pattern to a 217 and a half level. Right. That is not an easy thing to do. No. You know, no, there is some accomplishment there. It's like a solo acoustic guitar deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to have your crap together, people. You, you are out there on that, uh, you know, they, they've got you on that island, you know, mm. and there ain't nobody there, you know, and ain't nobody going to bail you out. You're by yourself. That's right. Yeah. There's no herd holder to look over at me like, hey, where were you at? <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. healer didn't miss. <laughs> yeah. Your head yeah, did you can't, not you can't, you can't go fight your healer in the back of yeah. the pen with John Justin. You can't whip him in the ear. You can't, can't whip him in the ear with the cactus surprise. He's <laughs> actually a ranch and rope. <laughs> Lighter? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's you know, and, and that I think is the great equalizer. It's the great equalizer in the horses, too. You know, and I mean, and I'm not knocking any other discipline. I am proud of this in ours as far as what I'm about to say. But defense work also, the horse cannot be intimidated. You know, we talk about in, in other sports or whatever, and I'm not picking any one particular no, out. No. But that horse, you know, y- you, can, you can scare a horse into doing a lot of things. You can't scare them into being a good defense horse. Mm-mm. It won't work. They also, they got to be sound. Yeah. Because the thing is, too, is they got to be able to run. You know, the cow will make them, you know, I, I don't care, them little peggy moving suckers, they're not going to catch anything. Right. So I think the fence work in, in our sport is, it, it, it's like the great equalizer of things. I mean, both in, in humans, the way they act. And in our horses being sound and happy and knowing their job and being able to handle them. And, um, you know, so. Yeah, I know like, Sarah's run last year at the fraternity. I mean, that wasn't just a textbook kind of a fence run. I mean, no. there was things that went here and went there and, you know, and like, and she was able to, that horse was able to stay with it and stay in position and get the, get the run finished up and get a score out of the deal. Hey, but. I know it's redundant, but I love the Will Rogers for the fence work. I do, too. Mm-hmm. It is sudden death, and that's the way it should be. We don't need it in the judges' hands. Right. We need a lot of people to fail so well, that we know who the winner is. Well, it's and going it's so good there. That yeah. hard and fast and quick and the round corners and the mm-hmm. short walls and the That's the argument that I cattle, hear, too. I'm I hear people in. say they want to see a lot of good runs. Well, Mike, well, people, they're going to see more good runs because people are going to have better fence horses. The longer we're in that Will Rogers, I don't care if it's the world's greatest or the Snafflebit Fraternity, the longer we're in there, the better people are going to have their horses to go down the fence. And I mean, well, they I, have to be. I think it always a tough takes situation. Two, the thing is, and I don't care what discipline you're doing. Now, we need room. We, those big arenas are great. All that other. And I mean, I wouldn't want to show in a little pen every weekend. Okay. Right. But it is a higher degree of difficulty to pull off the same task in a smaller area. And yes. I don't care what you're doing. And uh, I don't, espe- ca- I don't care whether it's the rain work, the, the cow work, the whatever. You put it in a smaller area, those horses have to be more precise, and things happen like get it and now. 
right now because one little mistake and it's all over. And it's just like, it's not a round robin. It's the NFR where everybody is pushing it to such a level that you don't get to go safe and win the fraternity. You're in the Will Rogers and it's a little tiny thing where just inches is destruction for you. But everyone else is pushing you to a level where you don't right. get to box forever. Well, that's just like the NFR for the team rope. And I mean, how many times you watch the NFR? Oh, like, yeah. Well, shoot, oh, if I can yeah, make I the key go. I can make that. And you yeah. Know, well, yeah, except try and be three. They all missed. Yeah. Now you need to be three. Everybody missed. Yeah, you got to check with, with the leg. With, with that hanging you, over your head, yeah. too. Yeah. You Not, go get a leg. Yeah. Well, you go catch a leg yeah. when they're all mar- when they're marking uh, four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, yeah, it's, 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 you know, and then, like I said, the pressure involved and everything else. But one good thing it does at those big events and stuff like that is, and we've gotten to this point now, how are you going to show your horse? Not really that much of a question anymore. You're going to go. All right. You know, yeah. I mean, you're obviously going to be smart. and You're going to try to go, you know, take care of him where you need to and, and show off maybe a little harder where you can. And they're all individuals. But, I mean, pfft. I mean, you, you, you can't win at any level anymore just loping around being safe. I don't think. You can't even make the limited, much less the intermediate. Yeah. Forget that. Well, the intermediate anymore. The intermediate is you better have an open horse if you're going to show an intermediate. Yeah. And what I mean by that, or in everything better go right. Because you look at how many intermediate I mean, high-end intermediate horses. They're basically open horses that maybe had with a little old one men pointer riding somewhere. Them. Hey, with old men riding them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> hey, so speaking of that, what would you think, Robert, if they're, uh, suppose they change something about the limited and let more people into it? What do you see the upsides and downsides of that being? I see no downside. I think that the limited, I think the level one should be being, we're just, you know, throwing it out there, we'll throw it right back. I think the level one should have a hard cap, like it does. I think the limited should be averaged, like yeah. the like the intermediate and like the intermediate is. I think that if you do now, where you draw, you know, we can talk about where to draw that line as far as numbers, but I don't. I can. Nobody has given me a valid reason, at least that I don't think. I can put a good argument against about why we don't why we don't let people average back in the limited open because here's the thing and just you know we could talk about this for a long time but the thing about the limited open is is that well so and so might get back in the limited open well some stuff's got to happen if so and so being as so and so's being a name whatever well then some stuff happened to so and so you know, and and you let them back in there, and then if they're doing really good, they're out the next year. They're not going to be there, but a year. So I mean, that takes care of that. But I'll tell you what it does. What it else it would do in a really really positive way is I believe you have a group of people that over the course of time, and it may take them five, ten years, whatever, to win enough money. To be out of the limited open okay now what do they do they don't have the horsepower to go we just talked about the intermediate the horsepower you got to have and you got people coming in and out of there and the fluctuation of people going from the intermediate to the open there's people swapping 
you know, in and out of that every year. Nobody thinks about that. But the limited, when, um, when they out of that with a hard cap, now they're not going to get those kind of horses. They don't get those kind of owners. I remember years ago, you were advocating for like an intermediate bridal or something like that. And you made a statement saying, I'm not afraid of the rider. I'm afraid of the horse, you know, and a little bit of that. But that when you're dealing with aged events goes, that goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. The better riders are getting the better horses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm not saying that's not the way to, I'm not saying it's unfair. <laughs> okay. Because they have that, that work, that group of work that says, if I'm an owner and I want to the best chance of winning the fraternity, not saying there ain't 50 guys that can win it or more, but these 10 got the best chance. So I'm gonna send one of them. Yeah. Okay. So going back to that limited guy, he's not getting that horse. Mm -mm. You know, he's not getting that chance. So now he's done with that. Now, because we've already established that basically the intermediate is like a, a hair a, under the open. The exactly. open with a bottle. So you like you're saying, you okay, you got a hard cap on the limited, bam, you're in basically but the if, open. And if you look at that, okay, so maybe he doesn't show every year. But maybe he's got one derby horse, maybe he's got one fraternity horse, whatever. And he gets a customer because they really like this guy which, you know, a lot of business is based on personal relationships <laughs> anyway. You know, I mean, it ain't all about who's number right, one on right. the statistical page, or not for everybody It's anyway. about who's close. Yeah, you know, whatever. But he's got that. But then if you look at it from the industry, what's he going to do? He's got maybe a derby horse. He's got a dirty horse. Well, he's got a couple non-pros. He's got a couple boxers. He's got a couple this, he's got a couple that. And at the end of the day, you have successful horse shows too, by selling stalls, by having activity at the horse show, good for your vendors. Those people come shop, they do whatever. So all of a sudden, that guy that you don't really care about whether he shows up anymore, he's not just, you're not losing one horse. No. You're losing four or five. Or, or eight. Yeah. Or 10. What, whatever it is. Yeah, it's closer you to know, 10. But I don't think, that you know whatever and if it's they're worried about some million dollar rider or something getting back in the intermediate or not not the intermediate there's a lot of them in the intermediate but in the in the limited or something like that you know well so and so has won the fraternity whatever well if so and so is 80 years old with the exception of doug williamson you know <laughs> if he's 80 years old and he wants to show and he ain't won anything in a few years let him show well so my and my point on that is early on uh, a while ago they had started it to where the intermediate did not count the bridal and at that time i was against it because i had done well in the bridal mm -hmm. and won a lot of money it was unfair and, right and i said <laughs> yeah and i was saying hey yeah i'm not doing that good in the snaffle in the snaffle bit or the limited age events but i'm having good luck over here mm -hmm. And that's enough for me. Don't put me in there against people who are struggling and then they have trouble getting their owners to come because they see this guy that's having a lot of luck in that class. 14 time world's greatest champion. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an argument over then is money, money. Well, but then they did it anyways, of course. 
And then listen, and they stuck Teddy and me and several in that intermediate. I'm like, you know, it's not going to be fair and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? I hadn't been winning in the three-year-old deals, and I didn't win in the other ones either. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me realize, you know, it's it, they're two different beasts. Yeah. And if you're not winning there, like you said, you let them fall. If they're not winning and you've fallen back to the limited open... If it's a fluke, right. they'll win out in one year. Right. Anyways, they won't be a big problem. But if it's not a fluke and 98% of the time it's not, at least you let them go to the show. And then they catch a, cat, they catch a check and they bring eight, ten horses. Right. And you're supplying your practice pin. You're supplying your stalls. You got non-pros in the other part. It is a whole picture that people don't see unless they run some horse shows. You go look at those numbers of the people that show up and it is crazy how much um money comes in from people who aren't say justin wright clayton right. that's old cory cushing's them uh sarah and chris dawson there's a whole bunch of middle of the road people that bring two trailers well yeah and, and that makes the biggest thing to make a show is entries period mm -hmm. you gotta get them to come that added money deal is it is a, it's a drop in a bucket of water. Entries makes payouts. Well, and the other thing is, too, as far as when you start talking about getting that added money, where's most of that added money come from? Sponsors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, who wants to sponsor a horse show with five people showing up? Yeah. You, you, uh, the more numbers. The Coors? Are they coming? Yeah. No. If no. you need, you know, you need habaneros vodka. Well, they're doing it. But... <laughs> But you know, but we need the more people we have, the more entertaining we mm -hmm. are to those people to sponsor. Because I mean, you know, there are lots of, and luckily we have a very generous group of people within oh. our association that sponsors. That's I'm, what I was going to say. The more people you get there, that's where your sponsors are. Yeah. They come from within. Right. We, and, don't, and, we don't go get Valvoline. Well, yeah, no, I mean, why should they do that when they can go sponsor something where 100,000 people well, on a non-COVID exactly. year are going to show up at some event? Yes. I mean, so, you know, but, but we do that. We need those numbers, you know, and I don't know that we cover this now or not, but, you know, because we're going over here. But I, I think the numbers in the open should be limited. We talked about falling back for the limited, but I think there should be, an, I think you should only be able to show so many horses. I'm, a, I'm against it, but I do think that you should only make one finals. And I disagree you pay with that. One, you pay one entry fee. You pay one entry fee. The intermediate and the limited are consolation classes. If you make the not, open... Not for the guy we just talked about. They are because he's, un, he's entered in the open. Agree. And they're all paying the same. Mm -hmm. If he makes the open finals, that's enough. What your idea is that you make more finalist trainers, horses, and owners. And when you let someone take too many holes up, you're limiting how many finalists you make. I don't care if they don't win much but in the finals, but if they get in the finals, they will make that horse a derby horse no matter what. So okay. everyone that you get in all three finals just cost you more entries, 
cost you more finalists. That's what they cost you. So take Jake Grill, and Jake Grill is the one that come up with this idea. I hadn't thought of it. He makes the intermediate in the open, wins the open, and he's like, hey, do you really think that the 126,000 made more to me than just winning the open? And what I did is I took a slot away from someone who could have been in the intermediate. You make one finals, someone else makes the intermediate finals. Someone else makes the limited open finals. Now, the intermediate finals is not waiting for the open to go. You get to make a big deal out of the intermediate. Make those owners and those riders feel like they really did something that night. Well, you're just talking about limiting it a different way. Exactly. But you know, I, I want to limit it in a competitive way. I don't ever want to tell someone. Why, though, Russell, should somebody who makes the open finals and doesn't get along? Okay. Let's, let's not. Okay. Let's not talk about the guy that wins the fraternity. Okay. Let's talk about the guy that wins a $10,000 slot at the bottom. All right. One of the bottom whatevers. Yep. Okay. So why, if that person was eligible for all that, I mean, we're talking, mm -hmm. let's just use current rules, okay, which is open intermediate. Yep. Okay, we'll put the limited aside. Let's say a guy makes the open finals and the intermediate finals. Yep. Okay. Part of his money has gone different places. Yep. Part of his money has gone to the open. Part of his money has gone to the intermediate. He is eligible for this. So you're saying that it, you should take that guy, what he earned, away from him, and yet you're concerned about limiting somebody and giving somebody 10 chances. To me, why do you take, you talk about a competitive way, the guy that you're taking his money away that he earned and he was eligible for and you're giving it to somebody else yep except i don't look at the intermediate and the limited as what he earned i look at those as consolations for the people who didn't make the open i disagree with that because i think if we're talking about that guy that we were talking about that we want to keep going he knows he ain't got a chance in hell of being in the open finals but he made it. Well, he made not, it. no. What I'm saying, I mean, it's, it's no. A, but it's, he made it. No, no. I'm not. What I'm saying is, when you go to enter, right? I'm talking about no. This, that guy, believe me, the guy I'm talking about, he didn't make the open finals. Well, then he then has no worry. He's well. He didn't lose it. Then why should he have to kick his money into the open? He made the open. No, but what I'm saying is, is then why should he have to? What you're saying is, it why are you, why are you taking his open. money for a division that he can't win anything in? But I only don't let him if he made it. So he was wrong. <laughs> he made the open out. finals. He made the open finals. Okay, He's hey, in it. Let's, let's put a name on it because this actually happened a couple years ago. So my buddy Ryan Galantine mm -hmm. up in Minnesota. Been doing a great job training horses. I mean, this guy does a really, really good job. He's been coming, he's been coming, he's been coming. He's won his way out of the limited a couple of years. He keeps coming to the major events. He doesn't have enough horsepower in intermediate, so he's been donated a couple of years. He shows up to the fraternity year two years ago, I mm -hmm. believe. 
By golly, he makes the open finals. Right. All of them. Oh, makes, makes all the them. Finals. All. No, no, he wasn't eligible for limited. He's out of the limited. He was out. Oh, of the, really? Okay. Yep. 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 He's out. Of, was out of the limited. And so now he makes the open finals. He doesn't get there immediate. Doesn't go fantastic. I forget exactly what place he got, but it was going to be down there around the ten thousand range in that bottom ten horses in the mm-hmm. finals. And so. That was all he would have gotten. And I see the argument on both sides of that deal. I think Jake's deal is uh, interesting, and I think there's some merit to it. Um, but as he wins that, there he is with his 10000 Now, but the owners, for me, don't have any incentive to send him that horse if he's not eligible for that extra money because then he won. I don't know what he won in me. I ought to have that in front of me to talk about it. But say he won another seventy-five, maybe five thousand. Let's call it five thousand in intermediates. Now he's won fifteen thousand. Well, that owner has incentive is incentivized to send a horse to him because he could win extra money. You know, we're not necessarily talking about the guys that are in the number twenty-five to thirty hole, right? Because those guys are very, you know, they're very capable. They have a lot of practice at showing. They're showing it a lot of major. They're, they're, you know. Mm-hmm. Those guys are way up there. This guy's off the page, but he's out of the limited. He makes the finals. and But his owners are incentivized to send him with a horse because he can win that extra check of getting that extra money. So he's still eligible yep. for the intermediate. That's yep. why if that's what right. – if he makes it open, he's proved he's an open rider. Right. I don't know. It's just a yeah. But look I, at I get, but look at here's what makes owners come is finals. Finals make owners into derby horse owners, and every time you limit the number of finalists, you're hurting yourself. Okay, we just now. went over. You, if you're in the intermediate, you might as well be in the open. We just went over mm-hmm. that. This is the way to fix that without limiting horses. And if you limit horses, so what we love about our event is the culture. Mm -hmm. We don't steal horses. We don't send horses away. We don't cut owners' heads off. Your people are your people. And as many good horses as they have, they send you with. We don't want to be like the reigning that you don't want to be in anymore. (laughs) But we're going to go and make our rules like the reigning that you don't want to be in anymore. And you will create a culture where it's okay to fire your owners and it's okay to cut your trainer's head off. And you can say that they're gonna take those horses from Corey Cushing and go to to whoever, uh, to, uh, who'd you just Ryan, say? Ryan Galantine. Right, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. They wanna be at Corey Cushing's. They're gonna get rid of that horse they're going to cut that horse's head off, and they're going to go steal a horse from Ryan Galantine and go to Corey Cushing's. They're going to wind up with all the good horses at the top end. You, if See, when you limit, well, they will if you, yeah, I mean, they will if you won't incentivize, maybe if you don't incentivize what they can win. But I, I, I don't whoa, think whoa, I agree with what that. What do you I mean incentivize what they can win? See, you're looking at it like this. You're looking at it. From what I'm understanding, you're looking at it like you're entering the open. Okay, you got a piece of the limited, you got a piece of the intermediate, you got whatever, you got a consolation prize. Mm-hmm. Is is basically what you're saying. Um, and so when that 
when that happens that way, when, when, when you can't, okay, let me back up there. When you enter, when you are a limited, let's just say limited, intermediate, open, eligible writer, you're eligible for everything, okay, and you enter. What I don't understand with your logic is, or, well, let me ask you, let me ask you before I understand your logic. Are you against the one entry fee system? No. Okay. It is, that's so, the only thing that makes it work. If you don't have the one entry fee, you can't right. do it. Because back in the old days, when we'd enter the, we'd all enter the open in whatever it was. And then you and add then on the, the intermediate or the, actually you I can't make enter the, the open limited or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you you entered the intermediate no. and then the limited and you paid more than the open rider. Right. Okay. You cannot do it. So you're in favor of the one entry fee system. You can't do it without it. Okay. So we can agree on that. Yes. You are in favor of the one entry fee yep. system. Beings you want to have more finalists, is your argument for limiting the number of horses a rider could show only at a premier event? I'm talking, if you want to show 15 at a pre-fraternity to figure out what you're going to show, I don't got any problem with that at all. But I'm saying at a premier event, just the reason you are against limiting that is cultural? Yes. Okay. Let's see, I'm, I'm, I'm working, we're trying to follow this here. Okay, and your thinking is that by doing that, that those people, that those owners, okay, are going to, Tell me again, what just a quick version, what, what those owners are going to do, how, how it affects that culture, that that Two, owner is going to do what? It's both sides. The owners start leaving the trainers to get into the open because you start, you take away the loyalty that we have. Okay, but who is that owner? What, you just said a minute ago that it wasn't, they, the guy wasn't going to leave Corey Cushing. So if it affects Corey Cushing, where's he going to go? No. Who's he taking that horse to? The worst part is the trainer starts firing the owners. Oh, I don't think the trainer will fire the owner. The, oh, the, the owner, hey, the, no the, way. The trainer, no, I will the not. trainer will maybe fire horses. Well, when you start firing horses, they'll start doing it. What are the two industries that do that? Well, the cutting does it. The writing does it. Yep. And, I mean, and, and, so and most when, of the rest of the industries take care of themselves. It's not so, like you can show multiple pleasure horses. Right. <laughs> right. So the least, so the, the people who get burnt are the people who have all those horses in training. And that trainer calls them about two months out and says, hey, man, yours ain't good enough. Yeah, but if that horse, if that owner has 10 three-year-olds in training with that guy for the fraternity, mm -hmm. I mean, just say, whatever, okay? That owner is really not gonna be, I mean, <laughs> when you go send 10 to a trainer, you all of a sudden, number one, if you're, if you're gonna have any reality there, you're probably figuring that them, all them 10 ain't gonna make it anyway. You're looking, if you got 10 head in training, you're looking to win first. That's what you're after. Mm -hmm. You're not after, you don't really care about being on down the line. You right. are a high profile, high money, get owner. it done, I want to win first owner. Right. And that's what I'm here for. Okay. Um, so you're not going to lose 
you're going to lose some of those horses that then somebody might have to put somebody else on. But you but just, you're not you gonna, just made my argument. How'd I do that? That guy's not going to put him with somebody else. He wanted to be with Corey Cushing's. Yes, he will. Mm, yes, he will. He's get rid of him. Yes, he will. So there's no catch riders at the Cutting Fraternity. Cutting Fraternity's, whoa. Wait, that's not three events. It doesn't matter. I know, but. So, so it's easier to win a check in the limited. So? But, uh, but first of all, the Cutting is not very loyal. Okay. That's the culture I don't want. Okay. I love the cow horse because of the loyalty of the trainers mm-hmm. calling one another and the owners sticking with their guy. Right. I love that. So what I see is it's almost like I hate California because of all the rules. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move to Texas and bring the rules with me. I love the cow horse because there's no regulation and I'm not going to take the reining and the cutting rules that I don't really, I don't like the culture there as well. Okay. I'm not going to take their rules and go put it in the cow horse where I already like how it is. Okay. And that's what I don't under, so, and also. But at the same thing, you're talking about California, you're going to tax somebody for a division that you're not going to pay him. It's not a division because I didn't yes, make him yes, pay it. Yes, it is. So I, because uh, he, part of his money went to that. Anyway, so he has paid that money. And you know what? If he doesn't do good in the open, he gets to win there. I'll yeah. let him win there when he can. <laughs> no, I think no, what the thing the is. The is, is when you pay for that one separately. No, it, because when it comes out of that, you're paying for part of that. Part of that entry fee is going over there. You're paying for that chance. What did the open pay for? The open paid for the, the open, let me tell you what the other thing is too, is the open by letting that guy come with one entry fee, you got his money in the open and he's not really a pure open rider. What did so the you o- got hey, a piece hey, of that hey, No, no. What did the open rider pay for? The open rider just paid for the open. No, he didn't. He paid for some of the intermediate. He, he paid, paid for, for the intermediate. The yeah, open rider every entry, every entry takes gets the it. biggest okay. shaft of all, but the open rider can afford it the best. Okay. The, everyone says, oh, the intermediate rider and the limited rider, poor guy, they paid, but they're not eligible. What about the open rider? He's not eligible for the consolation prize. He helped push this industry up. Right. We're trying to get the, part we're trying of his to get the intermediate pay. and limited guys to come in. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, well, we can go round and round yeah, and round. But anyway, but I, this, 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 this might be our most you. controversial I, I mean, I, I respect ever. you. I just disagree with you. <laughs> It's all right. You can yeah. be wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think, because I think you can use the same argument on either of us. Well, and I think. Because as far as the, you're paying well, for this or that. Or whatever. And I don't know that you should limit. So someone like, say, Justin Wright, he's got it going on. He's coming with 10 head of fraternity horses. Why does he not get to bring 10? Well, if you don't want to bring 10, you tell your owners that you're not coming. Don't make the association do it. That's not right. Right. You'll find your own number. You know, that's one yeah. thing. And I think at some point, I don't know that I would be opposed to limiting at some point, but right now, I, and I feel like because of the limited rules, I don't know that there's enough people to put a catch rider on one. 
you know, because there's not enough uh, guys that know how to show good enough mm-hmm. because of the limited thing. So I would not commit myself to saying that I would always be against limiting it. I don't think we're at a stage right now where we're ready to limit it, but I could see that happening at some point. But right now, mm-hmm. there's not any, uh, like I say, about the time they figure out how to show, we make them, they really have to quit coming. Right. Because they're not competitive anymore. Well, right? well, I think that the, the, with this deal, it pushes the intermediate and the open apart more. With what deal? With only making one finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I disagree that with that. That has to come... That but, has to come apart. The hey, when you the really score look at the numbers, that makes the intermediate. Right. I'm talking about the score. Yep. The score that makes the intermediate and the score that makes the open. We yeah. have to separate. There, that. Hey, there's more difference there than you think. Mm-hmm. Like that's what always always shocks me because I feel I'm I feel like the same way because I know that those intermediate horses are just a open horse to me with a bobble. Mm-hmm. And that's what ends up being your intermediate yep. finalist. But when you look at those numbers, I think in Las Vegas, I think there was like eight or ten points between the open finalist versus the intermediate finalist. Gee, so Chris, that's like one point, two point per event. I want it to be twenty. And if you take those double entry horses out, every every double finalist you take out, you separate the bottom of the open and the top of the intermediate. I think there's some validity to that. I think, like, I've thought about Jake's deal to Mm -hmm. where you only make those, and I think that there is some validity to that. I think that when a guy hears it, it sounds complicated, and I I think there's sure enough some validity to it. I think the only downside to it is that you don't necessarily incentivize a guy to keep a horse with a trainer that's eligible, say, in a horse that's, uh, excuse me, you don't incentivize that owner to keep a horse with a trainer that's eligible for especially the limited and intermediate because like that guy has like you believe in him you believe he can go make the open finals but he's eligible for these other two so you're getting like hey if he can get in the bottom of that open he's going to get him two extra checks right and that's well outstanding like say the anomalies mm. i think the real downside is like a few years ago when clayton won so much in the intermediate and in the open and he won 300 and some thousand at the end of the and year and then lance johnson and Lance Johnson, yep. I mean, and you're going to have the way that it falls in and out. You're going to have those anomalies maybe every year. You're going to have one or two of them. And I think a guy has to be careful about making rules to eliminate the anomaly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's, a, it's the rarity that that's going to happen. You know, and I think a guy has to be a little careful with that. Well, and I think we need to talk about it a little more. I mean, I'm not for for saying that if you make a finals, you're not going to get paid. You're gonna you're gonna go on. You're not for saying to limited. So we can argue about that for a little while longer. So why don't we just argue about that and say well, let's agree on putting averaging the limited? Can we? Agree I'm on all that? in on averaging the limited because it only there makes sense. See, this is what we yeah. have reached across all the in. aisle. We have done it. Nice. Good work, guys. I'm so I was glad we did all there. Work. That is not hey, a win. So what about Shorto? What about Shorto? <laughs> See, I mean, I, I knew we could somehow, we could get a consensus on something. <laughs> Pretty work. Pretty work. Oh, you got my little bald-headed friend all riled up. Yeah, he just took off. He, he'll get riled if you're not careful, Robert. You gotta... 
I didn't realize. I mean, you know, I just waited. I just stuck my toe in the water, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, boy. I guess I have hit a button. <laughs> I wanted one of them, you know, that easy button thing. Right. I wanted, like, Burr. can I reset? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. That was heated. I couldn't even, I was trying to figure a way to diffuse the situation. I had to leave the room for a minute just no, to gather my I, thoughts. But I tell you what, I appreciate it. I mean, he did just step out literally, but I appreciate his passion. Yes. And I appreciate the fact, I hope he appreciates mine. And I hope that, and what is really great about it too, is that we need to have that conversation and because it does nothing but we, we the industry is what's important right. and building that up and and you know and and what i like we we have a consensus about the limited right you know and the other is just okay well you've got doesn't make either of us right or wrong you know we just gotta sort this out a little bit sure you know, and so. every time something is something's changed, you have a. I mean, there's always going to be pushback. I mean, I remember when we started doing the raining first at mm -hmm. some of these majors, and I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like why would you do that? That's not the way it's done. Right. It's herd work first. Yeah, you herd work, then you rain work, then you fence work. Well, now I get so I get agitated if the herd works first. Yeah. Well, he's back. Well, he's back. He's back, and he's bald. <laughs> Did you put some water on your head and get cooled off? No one wants to get away from Robert, but Cheryl. Sometimes. Sometimes my daughter. No, I was just, you was you, you was gone. But I told him, you know, this is an important conversation we have. At the end of the day, I appreciate your passion. I respect your opinion. And I think that this is how positive things happen is when people can sort stuff out like that. And that requires, that's going to require some, some talk and yeah. some thought. And you can't have... You can't have someone who only believes in one, two people who only believe in one side of it. Right. Presenting it doesn't, hey, you gotta sit over here, Steve, but there's no mic there. Or you gotta sit right by Chris or something. I don't know what. Come, yeah. You're gonna have to cuddle up with me. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not doing that. We have, a, we have an interview overlap here. We have yeah. Steve Metcalf has just joined us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but. But, but Robert's, on, Robert's is, still only 21 years old in our story. <laughs> No, I think we're 30 now. now. Yeah, we got the 30. Oh, we got the 30. We got the yeah. 30 burnout. Steve's like, if I look on his face, like, you got to be kidding. He says, wow, <laughs> I'm early. <laughs> I'm going to need another drink if I've got to sit through his 40s. Yeah. We're going to have to get Steve some ghost wood. We're out of habaneros, so no, the ghost wood. No, he's a crown. Dead by the time you get around to <laughs> I knew he hung out with Bobby and uh, and Benny Gatron. I knew he would drink Crown. <laughs> it's all you offered me. No, I offered you the whole bar. We have an entire bar over no, there. No, you said Crown or vodka. And, well, and or vodka, ghost. And vodka does or not do well wood. with me. Go, have no, you tried the ghost wood? give it to you. No. You want ghost wood? No, I'm fine. Oh. I'm Holy fine. mackerel! He made his own. That's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, I want to touch on, I know in your past that you did like 
a pretty extensive partnership with the Sailing Smart Partners, and I'd like to touch on that and see how that worked because we did a little syndication deal a few years ago, and I'd like to get your take on how some of that worked. Well, I think, and not necessarily in this deal, I think, you know, I, I think you got to be careful with partnerships, that everybody's got to be going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, because as, you know, I mentioned Bob Loomis earlier, he told me one time, he says, owning half of something, a lot of times it's worse than owning none of it. You know, and now I'm not saying that in this, I'm just putting that out there. But the Sailing Smart deal was actually uh, Burdett Johnson, at Burdett and Ellen Johnson, Craig and Lynn Johnson, me and me and Cheryl and um, you know Craig had uh, shown that horse in the rain in some and and had success on him he's a world champion reigning horse and then I really really liked that horse and going back to that you know that stud deal and where we were at that is probably I think when we did that it's late 90s and or 99 or 2000 maybe but anyway, and I thought that that was a really good horse. The smart Chickalinas were really in on that deal, you know. And it really ended up being a good deal as far as we raised some really nice horses, bred some mares. I showed him the cow horse, actually tied to uh, Bob Avila and I on Paid by Chick, and I tied to win the senior cow horse at the World Show, and then he won the runoff. And so... Uh, and that was really I didn't show him a whole lot but it worked out well um, and then what also was good about it is when I had decided that I wanted out of the breeding deal that I wanted to head a different direction they bought me out and so that worked out well for me too that you know uh, because we were going a different direction and so it was uh, it, it, it was a good deal but, you know, I mean, we were partners for maybe two or three years. I got you. I got you. Yeah, because I think Crawford ended up showing him the world's greatest there. Crawford showed him the year, well, the year I either um, sold or the next year. I mean, right there. I got you. Yeah, he made the world's greatest finals on him. It was a good horse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Short Oak and some of his progeny. That's the one. Short I Oak. always thought Short Oak should have won the world's greatest. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was right there one. three times and then yes. did stupid things. And the one time, the last time I showed him, I was third. And when it was there in Stephenville on him, and I go and I'm like, I think I'm first after the herd work and the rain work. I go back to get my roping saddle, and that's something has gone. Somebody <laughs> stole my roping saddle out oh. of the tack room. No way. No, Not yes way. And I'm Texas. And I'm a, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Dude, who'd have funk it? Uh, yeah, and I'm draw one in a steer stop. They actually ended up, and they worked with me and everything else, they actually held up the start of the steer stopping because I was draw one and had no roping saddle. Oh, my Lord. Randy Butler um, had that year, um, he he showed that year and i mean he's loaded up ready to go and he heard about he says i got my saddle right there i said so i go to his trailer get his rope saddle i never rode it whatever else but it, it's better than mine so anyway <laughs> throw that sucker on and go around there go get one tangled up but it did jack with my brain and then um so after the steer stop and i'm still i think i'm second i think by a point and i'm like yeah, okay 
I mean, I'd mark seventy. Got it. Yeah, I'd, mark, right. I'd mark seventy eights on that horse going down the fence. Oh yeah. And I mean, he was a machine. He was great. And I mean, they could kick Godzilla out. And I mean, you've had those those very special ones. You've had those very special ones. When you're sitting there and you're on one and you don't give a rip what they kick out, bring him, you know. And what I did, which this is a very, I don't know that I'd want it or not, but this is very, <laughs> looking for an educational moment. I didn't just work the cow. I didn't just let that horse go. I was going to try to do whatever. Well, the horse, any time he had the chance, he was big. He was huge. I mean, you know, I'd, like I said, I'd mark, seven, mark 78s on him more than once. I mean, in front of good judges, you know, he was amazing and could fly. And that was one of the only times I come around, I go over here, and I mean, I just kick him over there, and that cow checks in the box and breaks off his hip and takes off. I can't remember ever being late on that horse coming around the corner, but I was so out of shape because I was just trying to do too much over here. Mm -hmm. Then I come down there, and somehow he bails me out, and he reels this thing in uh, and gets him turned at the first end, and then comes down there, and now I'm out here wide, and that cow checks against the fence and he hits it and comes back. And the only thing that luckily my right spur catches in the cantle. <laughs> <laughs> or I would have been 10th <laughs> instead of third. So I about freaking fall off and I was a lot more agile then. So then, yeah, I mean, you know, about fall off. Then I'm out here, gotta go get another looping little turn and go circle i'm a 209 in the fence work on a horse and that third. was like, that was as good a fence horse as was going ever and was still third ever yeah yeah but that horse that horse just i tell you what that horse you know certain horses in your life do things you feel things you take from then on you know and that horse in i'd never felt a horse that when I went down a fence on him, that literally could stay on his butt, go like this to a, you know, get up there to the cow and just take that nose and come through all the way through there and literally could follow that cow and he would be like curled, like unbelievable. Mm. And then just, but stay on his butt and then just go pop and be on the other hip. And I mean, like I said, he could fly. Yeah. And I don't think, I can't recall even falling off, I can't recall ever getting a corner on him. You know, I mean, and his daughter, the short Royal Mare, was the same way. She wasn't as fast as he was, but that his daughter, short and Royal, who you know has obviously been very special to her, to us. She's still the only horse to ever knock the air out of me, going down the fence, and she did it three times, sticking the horn of the saddle. Going, your solar I mean, right, right there and literally knocked the air out of me like she but she's the only one i ever had that could be wide open hit her butt and halfway through a fence turn if she didn't like it she could create more room by actually she could punch suck back in the middle of the turn and just get back underneath you mm. even more to me i thought she was more violent than the the daddy. Much, 
much. She was she was violent. Yeah, and it I would, watched her run. She was violent, like Sky and Mister was yeah. violent. She was. I yeah, and that Sky and Mister, yeah. same way. I mean, you'd you almost there. dread going down the fence because <laughs> you know it's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, because you know, again, there ain't nothing that they can't work. Yeah. Ain't nothing that can't work. Yeah, you, you but, feel like you're 10 feet tall. It's like 50 and, shades yeah. of fence work around yeah. here. <laughs> no, but I mean, they come through there, and she come through there. And like I said, she could create her own room, and it didn't matter whether you had to head one, whether you got caught out here, whatever it was. And she was so smart. You know, like I said, she was violent, but she was so smart about a cow. And I honestly felt like I never worked a cow on her that she wasn't smarter than, quicker than, and more powerful than. Mm. And your only job was that you had to really pay attention and watch the cow. Stay the hell out of the way, yeah. Well, yeah, if you didn't, she'd fix that. <laughs> hey, take that for, saddle horn yeah. to the stomach, for, dummy. For, when I stepped off her, you know, Riley won two world titles on her, and sometime... Uh, I don't want to take Steve's time, but sometime I'll tell you about the time when Riley dug his five-foot furrow with her face <laughs> on that mare. Now would be a good time. <laughs> right no. now. Yeah. No, but, you know, but Riley. Not really. Previous to prior okay. to wedding. Well, I've, already, I mean, I've already brought the wedding stuff yeah, I mean, up. Can, can I, mean, be, I have already waited in there. Than the Russell and I are buddies again. I mean, it's all good. You know? No, well, Stop well, that, rubbing Russell's head. That mare. <laughs> No. You're losing my hair. Don't get those three in a tangle. <laughs> Ooh, we can curl that one. <laughs> but anyway, that mare, you know, I mean, she uh, she was very stock horsey in the riding. I mean, she was she could ride, but I mean, she stopped hard. That was her deal. Stop hard, you know. Well, she runs down there where Riley went, hey, this is at the house. And there's another deal later about going down the fence. But on the house, she's going to put the tune on her stopping now. Some of them are watching her. And Riley, I mean, she's kicking out and saying woe to her at the trot right there. And I mean, getting the old suck back deal on her. And she walks over there and I mean, she kicks out and says woe to that mare. And the mare checks and comes back underneath her. Well, she wanted more, so she spurred her in the shoulders, jumped her backwards, went and did it again. Took one foot, spurred her in the shoulder, took the other one. I'm like, I don't know if I'd do that. <laughs> I, I'm about, I about got her, I'm thinking. Well, yeah, she's won 150000 yeah. now. I mean, you know, and this is back in the day when it was a little tougher to win. Yeah. Know? I'm like, yeah, okay, you got her now, good. So anyway, she sends this mare down there, and she don't get the wuh out of the wuh. <laughs> she kicks them feet out, and she'd been drilling that mare in the shoulder for about five minutes over there in the corner. And she goes, whoop. And the next thing I see is Riley the human projectile going straight over this mare's ears. And she lands, that mare, and as she's going by her ears, the mare punches again and jumps backwards. So now there's this Romel holding on by the end, and Riley is literally level, flying out there. And the first thing that hits is her head, and she just digs a five-foot furrow with her face. <laughs> you so, showed her right. So in. then I go, well, you got her stopping enough now for you? <laughs> well, she, you know, so she's mad now. So she's mad. She, she goes back and runs her again. Time? I said, well, you make sure you don't back out. Hey, how old is she this time? Oh, she's probably 
15, oh, 16. perfect age. Right. 15, I don't know. You remember that when she was yeah. younger? You told me about it the yeah. next day. <laughs> so then... She's so, Riley's mama mad. Yeah. So <laughs> Riley... So then Riley goes, and she's going she to fix it this time. She runs that cow down there and kicks out again and doesn't get the woe out, and the mare does it again to her. She flies <laughs> through the air, digs the furrow again. The next thing that happens is right. I said, I think you, I think you've had I enough, you've haven't had you? Enough. You made your point. <laughs> she says, she just shakes her head, goes and gets the mare, leads her out of the arena, and go puts her up. <laughs> there. Wins the youth world like a week later. Done. But Fixed she her. said, she said one time later on, she says, uh, and, and that mare's name around the house was Pebbles. And she says, Pebbles and I have more of a business relationship we're more colleagues i don't tell her what to do anymore <laughs> so what was the one with the fence well no she i mean she she jacked her up going down the fence a little bit too because i mean riley's always been an excellent rider and riley was running barrels horses at that time and everything else i mean there was nothing you know the biggest problem honestly i had with riley which is a good problem but was you know she go mark a 75 in the go round and then by god she's really going to have a run in the finals you know i mean going to go step it up another day yeah. so the when riley if you were going to get riley beat in the youth bridal at that point i mean i'm not every time but if she was going to make a mistake it's because she wouldn't quite go far enough and she'd try to because she really liked contact i mean she wanted to bend their head back you know so sometimes getting her to take that extra jump to where she'd be real clean right there through that turn, you know. She'd want to hit him right there, so she'd T-bone a few, you know. But uh, she'd kick that mare down there. But, I mean, you'd see her, though, after after that mare hung her out a couple times. You, I mean, she'd get on some of them other ones I'd have her on. I mean, she'd just flogging them down there, you know. She'd sit real quiet on that mare and just kick, 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 kick and sit by <laughs> But no, because that, that mare had trained her by that time. <laughs> the, the, the training had gone the other way. The really good ones do train us. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But anyway, but she was a daughter of Short Oak. And I mean, you know, that horse. Uh, and then, and actually, she was actually a horse that's been on, talked about on your show. She was the little sister of Short and Snaky, who I had the year before. Um, that Jim Spence talked about oh, right. on mm -hmm. your show, mm -hmm. and I showed him at fraternity, and then he uh, he had sold him, and he Jim had a great career with him out there, and and short and roll. I mean, she uh, I bought her. Tell, tell you just a thing about really good horses. Short and Royal, I bought her as an unbroke two-year-old in August of her two-year-old year. Unbroke, un not halter broke. Mm. Not Halterbrook. She went and we brought, I chased her down a lane and loaded her in a stock trailer to get her home. Took her over to my breeding barn, chased her out there and put her in that. And this is late August. So the month of September, she's dragging all my help around the, the breeding barn trying to get her Halterbrook. And they kind of get a saddle on her by. I went to Snaffle Bet, and I come home and I've got her riding around. I stepped on that mare in November of her two-year-old year with, like, she'd had, like, 20 rides by then or something like that. In November of her two-year-old year was the first time I ever stepped on her, 
That mare won the pre-fraternity in August. It was fifth at the snaffle bit in September. Wow. And I was just messing around with her and stuff. And actually, Steve, I took her to Steve's house one day mm-hmm. in the spring. And I said, this thing, I got my time on it. But he said, this thing's, I said, I think this thing's all right. And I mean, I can't remember what you said, but like, you idiot, that's a big timer. (laughs) (laughs) I've never never called you an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would never. You'd have never thought that. No, but I mean, I I took her over to his house one day and and I was riding her around. And I mean, I had some other ones. And I mean, like that year though with her, I had some other ones and by February, she'd caught all the ones that had a year on them. By you know, March, she'd gone by them, and by April, I sent all them home. <laughs> yeah, I hope <laughs> I take this the right way, but you know, God makes the great ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you just get to ride them. Exactly. You get to train them. And yeah. Hey, man, I can't not, remember what I get. Twelve, fifteen, fifteen hundred. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> wow. But yeah. I'm not saying he's not a good horseman either. <laughs> Unless Good thing I was talking that. to you, I missed that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now we're up to our 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't approached the has-been situation yet. Yeah. So what about that? And, huh? the, and the medical situations. What about that crap? That's fun stuff. Yeah, well, that actually started quite a while back. You had a, actually my first deal was like, I, I heard the other day, did you have a deal with diverticulitis? Yeah. Me that, too. That sucks. Yeah. yeah, so did I. Did you perforate? No. I did. Oh. Yeah. That's so I was, I, that was, that was probably, I was. That's, that a, was that's early a good little weight loss yeah, program. That was, <laughs> pardon? That's a good little weight loss program. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could use it, but I don't want to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, luckily they didn't have to do colic surgery on me, but I perforated and they finally got us in the hospital for like five or six days. On oh, that. they didn't cut out? Mm-mm. Mm. They got it stopped. That was early 2000s, huh? Mm. I think it was more like around, yeah, yeah, mid. Mid. I remember five, six, something like that. helping you around at the um, Colorado show oh, that was with my your back. back. Yeah, my back. And then, and then I had the little, you know, I had, uh, I've had three. Well, one of them, I'm not sure. It might have been more. I just didn't go get medical treatment at the time. Um, I've had three mini strokes. And one of them might have been more than a mini because the mini strokes are supposed to go away in 24 hours. And this one, the first one, didn't. I had to mess with it for quite a while. And that was where, that was a time, that was probably 10, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Uh. And it really messed up my timing. I mean, like, like I splurred and had the numb face and the, the whole deal for a while. And then there would be like a, you know, almost like a disconnect or a stopping point, like between, you know, you know, when you, you just like, I know that guy, where do I know that guy? Yeah. And you can't think of it where I know that guy, you and, know, but that way about a lot of stuff. And it was Leonard. And it's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, literally. No, I, know, I mean there was. I, time, I didn't. I didn't know the name. I, I didn't know the name of the guys that worked for me. Mm. Are you? I mean, are I you wouldn't sure hold it Cheryl against you. Wasn't whacking you in the middle of the. I, was, I, I remember your face but, being a little slack. Now that well, she finally straightened him out. <laughs> no, but anyway, He's but that, better. that you goes, wouldn't have to have a stroke to not follow your family tree. What? Huh? Which part of that? Yeah. What? Was that before they got there? After they left? See, it's affecting you right now. 
<laughs> yeah, because I don't have a freaking clue what we're talking about. <laughs> Like yeah, but, but that actually messed with me for quite a while because of the timing issue, too. Uh, and you talk about going down a fence. You talk, now, I trained yeah. quite a few nice horses during that deal, you know, as far as that people rode, got along good with it, and everything else. But as far as being an open rider or showman or whatever, when you, and I think we, we've had this conversation, when you, when your mind and your body and everything doesn't work Click. in sync mm. you know and you're going down there whether you're reading stop on a cow or you're doing whatever and you go like and you mentally you sit or you do whatever that you do but the only problem is your body don't do it for like a second or a little longer well a lot happens in that time a lot you know so then you get to where um you know, I mean, the horses I trained, I trained a lot of really good non-pro horses during that time because they was, I mean, they just had to go do their job, you know. Yeah, because that's how the non-pros do. Yeah, I mean, and it was, and I think too, and I think that's the thing too, when you, when you go through different things like that, you realize what maybe horses need to do for people that don't ride. We get Every day, an open skill time. look, it, yeah. whatever, which is neither here nor there. But anyway, that, and then the, uh, and then I've had, you know, two more of those, two more minis that I was over in, in 24 hours. But yeah, you get the blood pressure deal and then you get a cancer deal. And, um, you know, we hopefully got that going in the right deal. I get my next scan is when I get home from, uh, we're going to uh, Arizona and I get, a, I get a scan when I come back from that. Hopefully everything will still be good there. And they cut it all, what'd you do to it? Well, How'd they, you know you were getting it? I, well, just going down a different deal, honestly. I was looking at, uh, they were changing some, <laughs> they were changing some medication and doing some other stuff. And so they sent me to go get every so often, they sent me to go get a blood test. And they run all that panels of stuff and everything else. Well, the blood test came back that I had renal disease. And so then they wanted me to go to a urologist. That's what you find when you get older. You get all of these ists. <laughs> I had a family doctor. I had a damn family doctor. Now I have a cardiologist, a neurologist, a urologist, an oncologist. I mean, they just keep coming out of the woodwork. Well, you, you don't, don't get a gynecologist. What are all these people? So anyway, they sent me to the oncologist. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I get no, uh, I get yeah, that's I get which one's that's which. Cancer dog. Yeah. No, no, they didn't send me to him. Oh. They sent me to the neurologist. Yeah. That guy. And then they did a bunch of tests on me and they said, you need to go get a scan. So they go scan me and on the day before New Year's Eve, I find out that I have kidney cancer. And so they say, we need to cut this out. And, I say, and I say, okay, they, they come back and they tell me, so I go meet with the surgeon and they go, well, you need to do this. And we're gonna do this like February 10th or something. And you know, I mean, we've got a so little health get the getting away of a horse show. Right, yeah. there's a horse show. I mean, there's a horse show. I tell them, no, no, that's not gonna work out for me. You know, I gotta go horse show. 
and so anyway, so they put it off to the 20-something, the week right, right after the NRCHA yeah. World Show. So then they go do that, and actually they have so many, the medical things they can do now are amazing. I mean, as far as the different, the, you know, I mean, they didn't actually have to take all of the kidney, which they would have, but not Before, very long ago, yeah. you know. They actually took part of it, and what I don't understand, which I don't need to, but they're able to repair and put everything like that so it actually works and stuff. And I was glad of that because I kind of wanted, well, you got another one. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to save that one for backup. <laughs> you know, things haven't been going so well. You know, I might need that backup. So I, I was glad now, now I got like one and a half. So, you know, I mean, I'm still rolling. You so know? which one are you gonna give to whoever needs it? <laughs> huh? The half or the full one? Well, if you I'm, need to give it to somebody. Oh, I'm keeping the full one. <laughs> so anyway, but the kind of cancer I had I was a more that. aggressive than most kidney cancer. So that concerned them. And it also had punctured what they call the kidney capsule. So that's where they worry about it going to your lungs and bone. And oh, so it was, like a good, it was a good thing you waited. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, we caught it. They didn't know that until they took it out. You know, they didn't Dear know that. that Lord. So they biopsied. They didn't know what kind of cancer it was. So anyway, so now, like I said, I got to go do that every three months and and keep up on that. And, you know, Lord willing and all that. And we just keep chugging, you know, so we. So we did can. that push you towards uh, more non-pro stuff or no life? No, um, made you well. I you, I'm going to horses? the Derby to the first time since I'm you know forever. I've, I've never been to the NRCHA Derby, believe it or not. So did it make but, you reevaluate what you are doing, how many horses, what you're doing with them? I had already done that to a point, just prickly because, and I didn't always know why. But like you know, I said I think I don't remember whether we were on yet or not. But I said you know I hadn't felt good in 15 years. Right. So what do I know? You know, I mean, you just get to, you get to dealing with it, you know, but so I had already cut down, but what it has done is, um, and, and I'm still to a point not being evasive. I'm still kind of working all that out as far as where, do I want to be? What do I want to do? You know, I know I'm, I mean, I'm not ready to retire. I want to show horses. I want to train horses. Um, I feel better now than I did. And as far as those timing issues and some of those other stuff, you know, I won't do the numbers. I still, um, you know, I give a lot of lessons now. Um, and I, you know, working and I ain't for everybody. I'm the first one to recognize that, you know, but, um, you know, I just think I want to scale that down a little bit, but you know, I, you won't be seeing me out there at two in the morning. You know, those things are going to have to leave the house. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were good till you showed up with the editing. Edit. That's our first edit. It'll be fine. <laughs> but anyway, but you know, so there. You never did get there at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I used to stay up till two in the morning. 
Huh? Yeah, until they ran you out of the bar. Yeah. The only one that's ever out there is me and Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> well, dang. You know? And I'm the one that gets sick. What's up with that? I'm that not. ain't right. No. <laughs> but I mean, Todd, you know, Todd, he's amazing anyway, like that. I mean, but Todd, I always thought Todd had a, like a computer chip. That like one of the these Terminator. Days, he was going to go and then all of a sudden go, eh, 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 you know, <laughs> Shut and they're going to find out that really all this time he had a chip. He's a, uh, yeah. Because Arnold. he is bionic. Yes. You know, yeah. and. And, if, and if that Steve's happens, a, it'll be because Pam turned it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but anyway, but I, I really like, and I really like riding good horses. You know, I'm not going to ride something that's, that I don't like. <laughs> I'm not going to ride something that beats me up, mm -hmm. you know. And so, anyway. So we're kind of figuring that one out. But, yeah, but I, I have going to cut down some, but I am going to still... Because, like I said, I got to figure out where I fit in the same, in the sense that, like we talked about earlier, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it at a high level. Mm -hmm. So, how do I do this at a high level? And you can't take too many hours out of your day and still do that when you get older. I mean, you just yeah. can't. That's no. the way it is. Yeah. We're all figuring that out, except Chris. Yeah. He's so not got older. a full head of hair. He, yeah. he just acts older. Yeah. Just sometimes. He does act older than he did, doesn't he? Oh, he has matured so much. It's insane. Yeah, we do, we don't we don't have time to go back do. Yeah, back oh. down memory lane of me no. and Chris. And there would be a lot of there would be a lot of editing. There'd be a lot of editing. Editing. Yeah. Cow horse. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. We better have more than one we had, He was one stall lane over at San Angelo. Remember when it uh, snowed so much there? We had yep. the world's greatest yep. there. And and I'm not really an early to bed kind of guy. And I'm not a late riser either. <laughs> but they were there drinking and listening to red dirt music when we left. Yeah. And they were there riding horses when we got back. And we weren't gone very long. <laughs> well, of course. Some people just aren't cut out for life on the open road. That's what you get. <laughs> Well, that could have been TJ as a five-year-old. That probably was. Yeah, it, probably was, was. it was in the, it was in the strike zone. Yeah, it was right there. <laughs> yeah, it was right there. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was right there. Well, I remember, like, I think the first time I met you, Robert, we would have been, uh, I'd have been working for Carol, I guess, because there was this guy that would show up at these rainings, and he didn't come to all of them, but when he showed up, he would whip your butt <laughs> unmercifully like you just if you've seen his trailer unloading like well there's one at least one spot in the finals right there jerk <laughs> and it was robert chown i was like man he does some cow horse too and this and that i didn't really i don't know we didn't get to really be around each other very much but i know in the years uh, later like you sure helped me with my rain fraternity horses and a bunch of other ones and i probably would not have got traveling jones and spoonful of sugar showed had it not been for some of them deals that you showed me, and then I would go to Graham and do Rainworks mm -hmm. for hours, one in, one out, right? and just working on this stuff that Robert showed me to like, get back a little bit of control when I walked in the <laughs> arena. The control that I had relinquished. <laughs> no, it Holy was, crap. It was good. It was good. We talked about this one time, you know, or actually we talked about it a few times, but... You know, and, and that was really good because that was really about the time, I'm thinking, well, 
How old's TJ now? So that would have been uh, in 2012, I think, is when we really spent a lot of time yeah. each other. Well, and see, that was about the time, too, that we talked about that stroke issue, that my timing was off, mm. you know, and everything else. And I and we actually we talked about this at Fort Worth. Yeah, I wished I'd have just reached over and hit record that day. That was one of the coolest conversations. I don't know. We sat yeah. there for about an hour and yeah. talked right around these mics right there in our room in Fort Worth, but we were just having a visit. Because, you know, and, and what I told him was that that goes, there's a lot more to that relationship. It's not just one side. And I believe that God sends people in your life at certain times for whatever reasons that, that, you know, and I mean, we've been friends for a long time, you know, and I think at that point in time, you know, I was able to help you with some things and just, especially in those, in your horsemanship stuff there and some of your rain and stuff and stuff like that, just to stabilize things a little bit. And I remember we'd go over there, Graham together and you'd go, um, uh, you know, and just, it, and it was easy for you when you got the concepts like easy, quick, because I mean, you know, he's, I don't want to say like something nice about him, but he's pretty talented, mm. you know, and I mean, he catches on quick, you know, and he's got his own way of doing things, but where he's really good is being able to take things and blend into what he does, which Without is what changing. you have to do, right. what you have to do. I mean, you know, if you ain't pirating a little bit, you ain't trying. You know, and if and you got, but what you have to do is you have to take these things that you get from other people or other trainers or whatever, and then you have to see how they blend into your deal and make them your own. And I mean, I still see you think do things today that we we talked about then, but the thing is, where that I never told him till then or till Fort Worth we was talking about too, but there was a flip side of that too, okay. That was when I was having some of them timing issues and everything else. And let's face it, none of us want to fall off, okay? So I would show a little timid, and I had some things going on and whatever. So really, he needed maybe some, some stability or some, it's going to be okay, come here, you know, whatever, on my end. But I needed the youth and that, you know, like you're talking about the red dirt, whatever. And the, I mean, I needed that wild guy in my mm -hmm. life. You know, I needed somebody to help make me younger at that point because I was, might have been 10 years ago, but I was, I rode older then than I do now, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. You know, so that was actually a situation where I think we got together, but collaborate. Yeah, but it worked great on both sides. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I think there's you, people come in your life, they go out of your life and not that we were we didn't do as much there, you know, after a while. But for that time there. I think it was it was really beneficial on both sides. Amen to that. You know, mm. and it, and it really was. And I got some ideas from him in a different way. I mean, you know, and again, going back to that deal where I said I could watch, I could do this, and you know, and but just the being around. I mean, you know, like I've said before, especially at that time. I mean, he couldn't stand still for five minutes without a party breaking out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and I mean that in a good way. 
you know. But instead of just, you know, getting all grumpy, I'm making a grumpy face for those of you that can't see us. <laughs> you know, I, I, needed, I needed that. Yeah. You know, and, and again. I've and noticed I, your elbows wailing a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was from Crawford. I got that same place. <laughs> yeah, but he got it from Crawford. Yeah, yeah. See, I skipped a generation to really get the elbow deal. No, I went straight to the source on that one. <laughs> Yeah, nah, but it, that, that's, that's good. And that's, and that's where, you know, that, that's the nice thing, too, about, about this, when I say this industry, the, the, the West, or the, let's even go further down, the Western lifestyle. You know, I think that people, and I had during my deal, you know, in the last few months and stuff, I had lots of people reach out to me and, and, and offer to help and did help and in different ways, and some of them I didn't need them to, or whatever, or didn't take them up on the offer, or whatever else, but that's not the point. The point is, they were there. It makes you feel good. Yeah, you know, and I mean, even, I mean, you know, I, Steve reached out to me several times, you know. When you feel that camaraderie, that you know, there is a bigger right. deal. No, for so, sure. Yeah. So anyway, but you know, and whatever I did to to help you was a was a it was a pleasure because you helped me too. Well, I tell you what, that's a yeah. No, like I say, I mean, I've said it a lot. I mean, I cherish the relationships I've built in this deal a lot more than any of the trophies. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a come on, hug guys. Big deal. <laughs> Only you come over here too. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. He's from California. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you didn't know you were stopping in for a short little four-hour yeah. conversation. Yeah. 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 No, no, I'm I appreciate it. Huh? I have to go to dinner. Oh, oh you don't. Oh, whatever. I, my no one wants to go to dinner with you. And you took all my time, but that's No okay. one wants to go to dinner with you. <laughs> <laughs> my what? Wife. No, no. See, it's I, only 5.30 now, so you're only going to be three hours. I, yeah. I I have one person that I know, no matter what, you know. We'll buy your dinner. Send her over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I ask him if if well, no, wanted we Carol to come. They say no. This is man's night. Yeah, <laughs> which she was really offended about. We I just I really told him that we would do her separately when he wasn't here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll have the real interview. <laughs> I told him I'd let him uh, offer up his uh, side of the story first. Yeah. Well, I'm good. That's good. Yeah, you need I'm, first shot. Yeah. I'm okay, done. control the narrative. Yeah. Well, go. Robert, well, thanks, thank guys. you. Thank hey, you very much. what about the... You got to hit it. Oh, we didn't even do the questions. Come on. Dude. Amateur what? night. Amateur <laughs> night. It's been so long since I've had my notebook for one of these. Hey, my God. You have to do the questions. We What's do? the questions? Well, let's well, see. What would you uh, go back and tell your 20-year-old overly-aged self? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, honestly, it wouldn't freaking matter because I wouldn't listen to anyone. <laughs> Probably the truest answer we've True. heard to that question. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> we've kind of hit ups and downs, but what, uh, what do you think is your biggest disappointment in the horse-related career? 
I don't know. That that's hard to answer because I think you know. This is this is like being in this business a little bit. It's like being an NFL cornerback where they tell you you got to have a real short memory because you know you just got toasted on the last play and you got to go to the next one. I don't know. I think probably the biggest disappointment within myself is that I didn't like we talked about before where I stuck with a set of horses that I shouldn't have for too long mm. you know and didn't adapt to a different type of horse style wise you know um, just that I didn't see that coming I should have been smarter than that probably I don't know you eventually were yeah you know, I just a little slow sometimes. We all, we, we all have our timing. Yeah. You know. What do you think is the uh, biggest training mistake you see people make? Be it, uh, yeah, training at home. You know, I don't think it's one thing, but I will throw a couple things out there. Most people are bad listeners, even to their horses. And I think what they don't do is they don't listen to the horse to what he's trying to tell you and how you need to train him. Another thing they do too is I think they get, they worry about training theory or mechanics or this or that without understanding how the mechanics that they're talking about affects the horse. In other words, you know, they get, they get like above that, but like, okay, what's the biggest mistake? You know, more bend in the turnaround or a straight turnaround? Well, how does that affect the feet? Because one horse needs to turn around with a little more bend, one horse needs to turn around a little straighter, okay? What's too much bend in the fence work? What does it do? What's too much bend in the rain work? What does it do? Well, they can have all these things, but I guess what I'm getting at, not take the long way around the barn to answer your question, but they don't educate themselves as to what what that horse is telling them by that body position and what they need to where they need to put that horse to achieve what they want so i don't know if that makes sense but that anyway. is that yeah pretty exceptional yep. answer right there i'd say so through all of the uh, countryside you covered from california and back here and mm -hmm. congress and everything else what uh, where's your favorite place to show wherever i've got the best horse <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I don't care. You know, <laughs> that's right. You get you get me that monster going back to that look in their eye, and I got that look in my eye. I'll take that in any pen in America. <laughs> and you can't give me. And there ain't no place that is that sentimental that if I don't have that, I'm having a really good time being there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What about uh, if you could only win one more event, one more event, whatever it would be, what would it be? That is tough. I would think the av the no the I think the, I, I, maybe the fraternity the snaffle bit. I mean, you know, I, I because that's still that's a brass ring we all chase, right? You know, I mean, it's a. But, you know, shoot, I'm just going to be happy to win. <laughs> Anyone. Yeah. 
you know, I'm kind of running on that thing I'm right now. You. I may not be as good as I once was. I'm going to try to be as good once as I ever Just was. Just one time. <laughs> and then the next time, when I'm as good once as I ever was, I'm going to try to be as good once the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think would be the most important five minutes of your career? Five-minute conversation or thought or advice. I don't know that it was, you know, I mean, like I said, I didn't have, I, di I didn't work for anybody as an assistant or something like that. So I don't know that it would be that kind of a conversation. But it was probably when I decided what I was going to do. Because once I decided what I was going to do, it was over. I was in. You know, and I didn't go to college, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. And no offense, I mean, you know, go to college if that's your thing. Your you dad know? owned a college. That's right. Even and go. he tried to get me to go. I wouldn't go. <laughs> I told him I didn't go there. I'm <laughs> going <been> there. <laughs> no. But, you know, but there was no plan B for me. There was no backup. When I decided that I was going to train horses, that's what I was going to do. And is that what I told you when I'm a little kid watching Ronnie Richards show Wimpy's Little or what movie's Little no, He didn't show Wimpy's Little Step. <laughs> Wimpy's Hired Hand in the Stallions and Gildings at Del Mar when I was a little boy? Is it that moment? Is it the moment when, or when I was by myself and I said, no, I'm not going to rodeo. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to train horses. And then once I decided I was going to train horses, that was it. And there was never anything else. So I think if you go, what's the most life-changing? Probably when that switch just flipped. It was one of them times. But when you say, I'm all in. This is what I'm going to do. You know? And if you're not all in, go do something else. You know, and, and I see. In anything. Exactly. Yeah, you can't be, because this too, I mean, we all love the lifestyle we have. We all, and I think that's it too. You, you, you love the, you got to love the lifestyle, not just the training of the horses and not just the wins. <laughs> because no they, you know, I mean, really, yeah, honestly, we remember, but you know, most of the time, I don't remember who won the last one anyway, yeah. mm -mm. you know, and, and that doesn't make anybody wrong, you know, so you got to enjoy that, that, that grind of doing it, you know, and I think, um, which I don't know, maybe I'm going on to something else. I don't know if there's a question in there about advice or anything else, but if there is, you know, one thing I would say, figure out what you do best and do that. If that's training horses, do it. You spend, if that, you if spend that's, a lot more time figuring out what you do best. Yeah, if that's something else, you know, or what within the deal. I mean, are, do you train aged event horses? Is that what you do best? Fine, do that. Do you coach non-pros the best? Because I ain't the same guy. All the time, it can be, but most time it's not, you know? do that or train horses somebody else rides that somebody else can ride and I mean you know and Steve I think can attest to this but you know there is a skill in being able to train a horse that someone else can ride mm. you know not just the trainer of themselves yeah but don't don't you get tickled so, when you can take a horse whether it's a fraternity horse or whether it's an older horse or a hackmore horse or whatever and put somebody else on it that is a good rider, 
not a great rider, but a good rider, and they can go out and they can perform all the maneuvers, and that horse yeah. does those maneuvers, you go, I got that horse trained. Right. Or when you go there, you sit at a horse show and you watch, you know, three bridle horses come in and they all look the same. That you, They lope off and they steer right there and they frame up and they lope and they run and stop and they turn around. And back. That's, that, that's a very gratifying people. But we also come from an era too where great trainers, a lot of great training was defined by not just what that person themselves won. You weren't a great trainer if other people couldn't ride your horses. Mm. Yeah. And, and that was, and I'm not, I'm not saying it was good or bad or it's right or it's wrong, but now we look at what is this person accomplishing himself in the show pen yeah. and nothing wrong with that. Okay. Um, but as far as, I think it comes down to, this is, in, off another rabbit trail. But anyway, what is the better trained horse? Horse can mark 75 with one guy or horse can mark 73 with anybody that can, you know, anybody that can go that fat? 73. What's, the, what's the better horse? Yeah, and, and both horses are great horses. Yeah, absolutely. But, but they're and, different. And, you know, yeah. and both horses are trained. Yeah. Uh, it's just your personal preference on that anybody can get on that horse and go out and do the maneuvers and that horse, and that horse is a willing participant. Yeah. But, you know, but again, going back to that deal, too. And the other thing is, too, is, is you know, like Clint Eastwood said, man's got to know his limitations. And that took me a while to figure out, you know. I mean, I thought I was, you can, don't egg him on when I'm gone. Because he knows I thought I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof <laughs> for a while. No, you know? it was the camel long You like the coat. You, you dug the camel hair trench coat. You dug it. No, you dug I, that what camel I hair dug, trench coat. What I dug was all the women walking behind him in the camel hair coat. I and feel like he got to witness you coming up kind of the way you got to witness me. Exactly. Right. About the same distance. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was there. But anyway, but you know, I mean, when we get about the limitation deal, you know, pick something you're good at. Do that. And if you have a love for horses, but you suck, do something else. <laughs> Enjoy your horse. Go trail ride, be in, you know, whatever. But, you know, whatever. Because you're going to get frustrated. I mean, I don't know. That's not really a real way. But, you know. It'll get to where you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> don't make it your everything. Now, you're talking about professionals trying to make a living. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's define that. No. We make our living on if if great non-pros don't need us. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about. Because. I was talking about the professionals. I was talking about you know because yeah. it's it's a hard enough grind. I'm you know, yeah. because what happens then too is people get in it or whatever, and then five years down the line, ten years down the line, whatever, you know, they don't, they can't make a living at it, they have trouble. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, that if it's not just clicking along, then you know you need to bail and go to something else. That's what I'm saying at all. You better have some tenacity. Hey, you better have passion. Yeah, and, but you better, you. you better There's love it. A lot it. easier ways to make a living. You better love the lifestyle. And if you do, the horses. jump in with both feet and come on, the water's warm, let's go. Yeah. You know? The water is fine. Yeah. Now, if, 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 if you're in, I mean, I can't, 
I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, I'm not qualified to do anything else either. But, you know, but I mean, I really, you know, I would want to. And come and visit, we'll sell you a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're halfway and in, you're not bro. You had to get that in me. And a saddle, and, and a bridle, and a trailer, and a I will sell you a hackamore. <laughs> will you tie it for them, too? No, I'll yeah. tie it. If they buy the I'll rope from you, too. One time. <laughs> I'll shape it, tie it. <laughs> Don't forget to check out this episode's sponsor, Sour Boys Candy. Check them out at sour.gg slash cowhorse. Well, I think that's about the time we got. We uh, breached our four-hour threshold, so I hope you guys are driving to Arizona. It's coming along good, and stay tuned. Maybe we'll have you another one. Appreciate you guys. Okay, till next time, go fast. Make good decisions. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse, Full Contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.